نشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله الوالي الكريم وصلى الله على أنبياء أجمعين والمسيح والمحسي والمجدد لمن مرسلين أما بعد Are we not the bearers of witness that nothing would exist if Allah didn't create it? And that He is alone and has no part? And that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sustainer of all the boundless universes. All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend. And send salutations of Allah on all of His prophets and His apostles. And on the Messiah, the anointed one. And on the Mahdi, the God, and on the Mujaddid, the Reform, which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. The man of the hour, airing seven days a week at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On WGAG Radio. give you the answers to all your questions from the beginning of time until judgment day. The hourglass is almost empty. So come and hear the dynamic teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, Noble Drew Ali, Marcia Sarver, Clarence 13th, all those warners sent to raise Lost but now found chief in the wilderness of North America. And now, the true light featuring Sayyid Isa al-Hadi al-Mahdi. Yeah. 
Assalamu alaikum. Uh, I ran across a book uh, last week called The Lost Book of the Bible and the Forgotten Books of Eden. And um, I ran across something that was uh, disturbing to me. Um, I can't read this in Roman numerals, but it's a chapter about Adam and Eve. It's one of the books that wasn't in the Bible. And um, I ran across something of a prophecy of the coming of Christ. <clears throat> and this is Adam. This is God supposedly speaking to Adam, if I can read this. Again said God unto Adam, All this misery that hath been made to take upon thee because of thy transgression will not set free from the hand of Satan. It will not save thee, but I will. When I shall come down from heaven and shall become flesh of thy seed and take upon me the infamy from which thou sufferest, then the darkness that came upon thee in the cave shall come upon me in the grave when I'm in the flesh of the seed. And I shall, when I'm without years, shall be subject to the reckoning of years, of times, of months, and of days. And I shall be reckoned, reckoned as one of the sons of man in order to save thee. Um, what he is saying to me is that, um, that Allah personified into a man and came down... Right. No problem. You know why? Because I'm looking at a man right now, you, mm -hmm. and Allah is a soul inside your body. You understand that? Allah is in every man. That's why Jesus made a statement, did I not say ye are God? When they tried to pinpoint him as just a God, they asked him, what's the highest of all the commandments? He said, well, the highest of all the commandments is that the Lord thy God is one God, and you should worship him alone. That was a statement, but when he referred to anybody else in St. John's, he said, I came unto my own people, but my own people received me not. But as many of them that do receive me, I give them the power to be what? Sons of God. When the, when the Pharisees and them questioned him about his Godship, he turned and said, is it not written in your law, I said ye are God? <laughs> so he was not saying that he was the only God personified. He was saying all man who lives righteous has the spirit of the Most High in them, or the soul moving them, making them holy. That's why Jesus kept saying, you got to be born again. You have messed up since your first birth. you got to be born again and get the Holy Spirit moving inside you again. And that Holy Spirit comes down from where? What did Jesus say? It comes down from heaven. But when John the Baptist was baptizing Jesus in the morning, they said the skies opened up an image, or like a dove, descended down from heaven upon Jesus. And then they heard a voice from heaven saying what? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. You see? So it was the spirit that he sent down because the voice was still in the heaven. That's what the Christians keep missing when they read that section. When it speaks about the skies opening the dove descending, the voice came from the heaven. So if Jesus was on earth and the dove was descending or the likeness of a dove was descending, the voice, who was the voice of whom? Well, Jesus made it very clear in Matthew. He said, our Father who art where? In heaven. And Jesus made it very clear to them in their doctrine of crucifixion because if he was on the cross, he said, Father, it is over. Unto your hand I send my spirit. Now, if he was the father, shouldn't he say, well, it is over. Now I will return to heaven. He didn't say that. He's speaking from the first person singular to the second. Father, it is over. Unto your hand I send my spirit. You follow what I'm saying? Yes, so there's nothing wrong with that. 
book. That book is merely saying that when you saw Jesus, you saw the Father. When I see you, I see the Father if you are walking in the Father's footsteps. And if you are obeying the words of the Father, and if you are living by the commandments of the Father, when I see you, I see the Father. The prophet Muhammad made the same statement. He said, follow my sunnah. Follow my way, because I am the best of examples for this day and time. I am the seal of the prophet. Obey me, and you're obeying Allah. Love me, and you're loving Allah. Which is the same as Jesus. I and the Father are one. When you see me, you see the Father. They said, oh, you're saying that you are the Father? He said, is it not written in your law? I said, ye are God. They said, then stone him. Anyway, so when you realize who you are and you make the declaration, all of us are the children of the Most High and His Spirit is in us, then people say about Imam Isa, he says he is Allah. I never said I am Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I am one of his sons, one of his children, and his spirit moves in me because he said he did. He used the word nafakha, to breathe. He said he breathed, he blew his spirit into me and I became a living soul. He said that. Now, are you going to go against that? I, that's on you. The way I see it and the way I know you see it is that all the divine that moves through me, my intuition, my psychic powers, and we all have these sensitivities because sometimes you get ready to pick up a phone and someone is there. And you get ready to call John, you get ready to dial his number, you pick up the phone and John then dials you at the same time. Or you walk in and say, you know what? I haven't seen my friend Ahmed in about a month. Turn the corner and, corner and bump right into Ahmed. That is divine moving in you. Because it ain't no coincidence if it happened more than twice. Coincidence means two incidents. Coincidence. If it happened to you more than twice in your life, then it ain't no coincidence. The divine is moving inside you. And if you channel that divine, nothing can stop you. That's what Jesus is trying to say. If you channel the divine in you and let it grow in you and become born again and let the Holy Spirit move you and live by the will of the Most High, nothing and nobody can stop you. That's what I'm trying to teach. And of course the white man and the devil and his helpers hate that. Because I'll have black men walking around saying, you know what we are? We are supreme beings. We didn't say we are Allah. We are the supreme beings. As I said a couple of weeks ago downstairs when I was in the class, I said that they go to Egypt and they look at statues all up and down the Nile, don't they? And what do they call them? Gods. They say these are Egyptian gods. That's Ramses. That's one of your descendants they're talking about. That's Abimelech, one of your descendants. So when the white man is on one of his little excursions to Cairo, fly Cairo for $354, and go from the hotel, and he rides on over to the pyramids, and he sees the Sphinx, then he goes down into Luxor, and he sees all these massive statues of black men with big lips and nappy hair, and says, these are the Egyptian gods, Right? Then he comes back to America, borders in Kennedy Airport, and sees this guy grabbing his luggage and says, look at that nasty nigger. Mm. That nasty nigger, Whitey, is the same know. God you was admiring when you was in Egypt. <laughs> you just misplaced him. You just took his soul from him. You, moved, you removed his purpose, and you injected drugs and alcohol and bad thoughts and anger and envy, and jealous. You removed his dignity. You removed his manhood. How can he stand up and be supreme when you have made him a bum? But I'm going to tell you something, white man. 
If you stop and listen to a derelict, you hear divine. <laughs> You're right about that. If you go right up to the Port Authority and talk to a, a derelict who's mumbling, listen to what that man is mumbling. He's usually saying, they did this to me. I don't know why they picked on me. I trusted in them. I believe, didn't you trust him? You trust the white man so much that you worked six days and waited to get paid on the seventh. And they would start working another six days and waiting to get paid on the seventh. You never once said, pay me each day I work. Or pay me before I do the work. No, you did a whole six days. And then he gave you a piece of paper and sent you to a friend of his who put a stamp and made you sign your signature. He gave you some more paper and told you it was worth its weight in gold. Oh, you could identify with gold. Why can you identify with gold? Because you come from Mother Africa, Africa where gold is born. And I, I want to add another chapter to this, which I've said many times. If the Heavenly Father, are y'all with me? If the Heavenly Father didn't love black people so much, why did he put all of the richest minerals under our feet in Africa and none in Europe? Why is gold and diamonds and onyx and ivory, they got to go to Africa to shoot our elephant brothers, because that's all they are to us, because that's how we live with them, until Tarzan came. <laughs> A white man, huh? He's running around Africa, yeah, right. Catch malaria and die the first week. <laughs> but anyway, in Africa, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed gold. If you don't believe me, ask the South Africans. That's why they have apartheid, really. Now, why did Allah chose you to give the gold? He could have put it in Europe. He didn't put it in the Vatican. The Pope ain't got no gold growing under him. He don't think much of Christianity, you know. Because Christians, they never had no wealth. They ain't even had good weather. Nowhere they ever resided was there ever a comfortable environment for Christians. Nowhere. Not even in Utah. But the Almighty, now listen again, he loved you so much, he put the criteria for wealth in the whole world under your feet in Africa, gold. And you gave it up to be American Negroes. You willfully gave up the gold to serve the white man. Because the slave master came over there and made offers for you that he's going to give you more money for your labors than you can earn in your own land. <laughs> How can you earn more money than all the gold in the world? Ain't that what he told us? And then we climb on the good ship Jesus That's right. <laughs> and end up in America and has he ever given you a gold? No. What has he given you in turn? He gave you drugs. He gave you pork. He gave you poverty. He gave you diseases. He gave you the wrong image of yourself, the wrong likeness of yourself. He even changed the name from, from Allah to God. He took away God. He took away language. He took away land. He took away your name. And now he's even taken away your manhood and changing you into Michael Jackson. He hasn't stopped taking. And you know the worst part about it, y'all? You know the worst part? We haven't stopped giving. There's still black people saying, all white people ain't bad, are they? I mean, I know some white people. They, they, I mean, this white guy in school, you know, he, uh, well, you know, when I take this carpool, wait, wait, I was, you know, I was in the hospital very sick, and this white, wait, uh, 
All white people are not bad, are they? <laughs> no, no. All lions are not bad either. Just don't wear no meat suit when you're around them. <laughs> what I mean by that is as long as you are a docile, bojangle-type Sunni Muslim saying there's no racism, you never have anything to fear with the white man. He loves Satchmo. He loves Rochester. He loves Sammy Davis Jr. He loves Bed Marine. But he can't stand the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. He can't stand Malcolm X. He couldn't stand Marcus Garvey. He couldn't stand Noble Juali. He couldn't stand Clarence 13X. And he can't stand me. And I won't let him stand on me or you if I can help it. You understand? But he loves a smiling, head-scratching, watermelon-eating, even if he's saying he's a Muslim. I'm a Muslim, but white people are okay. Which white people are okay? The Irish? The Polish? The Yiddish? Who? Name one that's okay. Name one that's not responsible in some way or form for going into one of our lands and destroying us. Tell me what the white man has contributed to the upliftment of humanity. Bombs? Genocide? Drugs? Manufacturing of drugs? Tell me, brother. Give me a reason to want to like them. Just one. Give me a reason to want to trust them. Just one. Give me a reason to want to live with them. Just one. Give me a reason to want to work with them. Just one. Because I came over here not of my own free will. Because you took me off my goal. Because you wanted it. And I learned to like you. No, no, no. Better yet. I learned to love you more than I love myself. Because I wanted to look like you. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk like you. I wanted to walk like you. I wanted to live in the houses you live in and go to the clubs you go to and eat in the restaurants you do and laugh at the comedy you laugh at and cry at the sad days and give out hearts on Valentine's Day. I wanted to celebrate the fact that you beat up the Indians and took their land. We call it Thanksgiving. I wanted to celebrate the birth of your women, the witches in the hollows, and we call it Halloween. I want to eat rats and call it rabbit. I want to eat pork, the filth of the earth. I want to get drunk. I want to stay drugged. I want you to rape my sisters. I want my sisters walking around with mini skirts and extensions of dead people's hair. This is all the things I want from you. I appreciate this, Mr. Whitey. This is the least you can do for us who built America for you. This is the least you could do for people who came and trusted you. We gave you our trust because we are very sensitive people. We gave you our very heart. And right now, there's brothers and sisters still out there trusting the Mr. White Man, going to your schools and getting your education and believing that one day there's going to be some hope because Dr. Martin Luther King said so. They didn't see how he died. Yeah. They didn't see why he died. They seem to have forgotten even when he died. They don't know that he was a peaceful man and you killed him. And Malcolm X was a very unpeaceful man and you killed him. So you didn't kill them for what they said or what they wanted. You killed them for what they were. And that means, black man, that regardless of what you say, whether it's a black Muslim or a black Jew or a 5% or a Rastafarian, 
or Pentecostal or born again Christian or Seven Day Adventist or Jehovah Witness or African Tologist, whatever you say you are, he doesn't kill you for that reason. He kills you because you are a supreme being. He's killing God every time he kills one of you. He's killing the name of Allah every time he removes one of you. This is what the white man has given you in return for your slave labor. You understand what I'm saying? He abuses you over and over again. And I want to add, I'm as sensitive as any other black man here. And I feel sorry for anybody, Sunni Muslim or Christian or anybody who wants to slide up under the arm of this devil and his leprosy and let him lie to you and tell you what he's going to promise you in the future. We then waited 379 and some more for your Christ to come. We then watched the skies. We then sung the gospel. We then had the seizures. We then gave you our money. We foamed at the mouth in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the coming of the Holy Spirit as Paul said so. We went and fought the war for you. We didn't only go to Vietnam. We fought the civil war. You follow what I'm saying? What else do you want from us? And all we ask of you is to recognize our existence. And either replace us from which you've taken us or give us the ability to build for ourselves. I don't think that's asking too much after 400 years. Either give us back our motherland Africa and take your little leopard's butt on out of there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Going back up on that mountain in Europe behind that rope and let that leprosy come upon you again that hemophilia and your syphilis and your gonorrhea and your herpes let it all eat you up and leave us alone. It's just because we are supreme beings that we work off compassion and mercy. We keep forgiving you. We keep forgiving you. I should have realized when Allah didn't want you under the sun that you didn't belong on this planet. Mm. I should have realized that, that you're the only people on the planet that can't lay on the beach without fear of dying of cancer. That was man's sign that you were not an earthling. And you didn't come from out of space Otherwise, you wouldn't be trying to get up there. You would know how to get up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. You could have only came from hell, a pit. Because that you know how to do. You know how to dig down. <laughs> so all we're going to do is bind you and put you back in your pit. Let's dance. I got um, two more questions. Um, one, um, first question is, I went to a um, Dr. Ben uh lecture, and uh, he made something, a comment about Moses, uh, how he got the Ten Commandments, and he said that Moses lived in Egypt all his life, and that the Egyptians recited the 42 negative confessions, which was partial of the uh, Ten Commandments, and uh, that he didn't get it from the burning bush, that he studied in Egypt, and he was a high priest, and that's how he got it. Did you uh, clarify that? Sure, it's quite simple. You know what's wrong with my good brother, Dr. Ben? He's been talking to the wrong kind of Muslim. He's been talking to misinformed Muslims. Well, he said that he got his research uh, from being in Africa. 
Right. And I've seen him there yeah. on, his, on his excursions and his tours. Yeah. And don't knock it. But what he's missing is this. Bismillahi ar-Rahmani ar-Rahim. Anybody can turn their Quran to this if they want. Chapter 2, verse 136. That's Moses. That's Jesus. This quote is saying, it's talking, first of all, to all Muslims from Muhammad, alayhi salatu wasalam. Say this, Muslims, I have my faith by way of Allah, billahi, and wa ma wat unzila was sent down Elena to us. And this is talking about the Quran. Okay? And what Unzila Elay was sent down to Abraham. If you ask a Muslim, what book was sent down to Abraham, the average Muslim don't know about the Sahos. They don't have that kind of knowledge. They just go the Quran. <laughs> and that's that we've already passed the Quran. This book says something was sent down to Abraham, a revelation. Okay? Wa Ismail and, and Ishmael, Wa Ishaq and Isaac, Wa Yaqub and Yaqub, Wa Asbat and the tribes. That ends that. What was sent down to you, meaning the Quran, and what was sent down to Abraham, the Sahuf, and to Ismail, his son, Ismail and Isaac, who both had the revelation of the Sahuf, the Father, and Jacob and the tribes, meaning the tribes of Israel. And Ishmael and the tribes of Midian, the Midianites. Then it says, and Wama Utiya, what was given to Moses, because these were pre-written tablets and given to him, as opposed to the coming down like this inspiration that came to Muhammad. And what was given to Jesus. And they were written, received by John, son of Zebedee, the book of Revelations, and then given to Jesus. That's why I used the word given. Then it says, and what was what? Given to the prophets from their sustainers. This is the key. We have covered the major prophets that we're talking about here. We're covering everybody from Abraham to Muhammad. You understand? And all those books in between would be inclusive, which would cause include the Sabor of Daud and his father Suleiman, the word Nebuchadnezzar. If we go back to Genesis of the Bible, will find that Noah had sons. And from Noah's sons came Cush and a man named Mizraim. Mizraim was where they get the word Mithra, which is the Arabic equivalent to the Hebrew Mizraim for Egypt today. Mm -hmm. Egyptos, we know, is a Greek word meaning burnt or black faces. That don't belong there. All right? So the descendants of Noah, who was a prophet, and who received revelation, and who also had the books of the Sahuk of Enoch and Adam and Abraham and Seth, mm -hmm. took their books and went into Egypt with them, way before the writing of Unkenuntin Psalms. Now, those Egyptians are of the family of Noah. And the scripture says, Noah was perfect in his generation, and the Lord found favor in him and his seed. You see? 
So the Egyptians that are writing these psalms and proverbs, like Unc and Unchin and them, they were part of the Nebuna. They were prophets. And just like there's things in the Quran that match what's in the Torah, and there's things in the New Testament that match what is in the Old Testament, and there's things in the Psalm that match what's in the Torah and the New Testament, Old Testament and the New Testament, the writings that came out of Egypt will match what Moses said because Moses was influenced by the Egyptians, educated by the Egyptians, and brought the same information that came from the Sahor, which was the Sahor of the descendants of Mizraim, who were descendants of Noah, and under the same covenant of Abraham from the same creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So those are the books of the prophets that they're talking about here. And those were sacred scriptures that was in Egypt. So Moses did use portions of them as well as have his own revelation. Because in that case, everything he received would have to come from that one tablet. And it didn't. Portions of that tablet are found in the five books of Moses the same way portions of the Torah and the Injil are found in the Quran. So there is no difference. It's the same, tell Dr. Ben, it's the same family. They are all Noah's descendants. It's the same book. The Egyptian pharaohs who believed in Tawhid, which is the unification of Allah's deity, ship, oneness, were prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they're the same one. That's why the pharaoh, as they call the pharaoh in the Quran, converted to Islam, as opposed to the way it was left unexplained in the Torah. Okay? Okay, I can understand that. I, I, I can relate to that. Uh, it's one more question, and then I'm just going to sit down. Um, <clears throat> this, this lost books of the Bible and forgotten books of Eden, I don't understand why they were left out of the Bible or the Torah. All right, let me go again. <laughs> Come on, this is, don't go nowhere. I might need you. <laughs> All right. Dead why? What happens again is here we are in New York City, United States of America, looking at King James versions of the Bible. When the Quran was revealed to Muhammad, alayhi salatu wasalam, there was no such thing as the Bible you hold in your hand. You see? There was no such thing as King... There was no such thing as a Bible that you hold in your hand. A King James version of a Bible. The Bible that they had back in his time was the Catholic Bible. If you go to a Catholic Bible today, you'll find it has more than 66 books in it. They have other books, the books of Maccabean, etc. If you go back to the ancient Torah, they had even more books. What I'm trying to say is that there are many books written by many saints who are not necessarily prophets. But sitting, go ahead. Let's, let's interrupt you for one second. I mean, I got all the stories of Adam and Eve that I never even read in the Bible. I mean... Right. The journeys, the, uh, the sins, they that's, did more sins. That's right. More things written by. So why, was that, why was that excluded from the because, Torah? Because the Torah, the word Torah means Pentateuch. Or law, right? No. Yeah. But it refers to, it means Allah in Hebrew law. But refers to Pentateuch, which comes from Penta, which means five. The law of Moses was no more than the first five books. That was the law. All those other books are books of other prophets. Some of them, certain sects of Jews accepted, and some of them, they didn't. The same way today in Islam, you have Shiaism and Sunnism. Sunnis accept certain hadiths, and Shia accept other hadiths, and they're both about the same man, Muhammad. Now, in later times, here we come with another sect called the Ahmadiyya. 
and they pick and choose from both Sunni and Shia Hadith and create their own school of thought. So you get all these schools of thought. Now, as time passes on, certain people have more books that they believe in of the Hadith than others. The only text that is authentic in this case is the Quran. The only text that is authentic in that case is the five books of Moses. All these other books are books of other prophets. Depending on the schools of thought of the rabbis, they decided which books they would and which books they didn't. You're in one country that has been invaded by a certain kind of Jew and a certain kind of Christian, so you're subject to go by their selection of the book. So you hold up the King James Version with its 66 books and say, where did these other books go? If you was in the Jerusalem there and you held up the Jerusalem Bible, it would have other books. If you was amongst the Russian Orthodox Christians, they would have other books written by saints that they knew and monks that they knew. You yeah, know what I'm saying? I do understand to a degree, but what I'm saying is, is that this is Genesis. I mean, if you're going to write about Adam and Eve, why would they exclude the whole thing of Adam and Eve from, from uh They didn't. The trans- they didn't. What is true about Adam and Eve is found in the Torah. Scholars and rabbis wrote their own parts and called them other scriptures. What is true is the five books of Moses. That's what he received, and all of them recognize that, and the 613 commandments. So this book in my hand is not... It's not no, it's writings of men. So this, that, this is like Hadith. That's exactly what it is. Okay. <laughs> exactly. All right, all right, and that you'll have to decide how much of it you want to accept, or will you go by the vein of it all, which is the Torah? Or do you go by, as I say, the vein of Islam, which is the Quran? Or do you listen to a whole bunch of men who want to be like Allah, who want to be like the prophet, and they start opinionating on his life and exaggerate it? They want to make every prophecy in the New Testament fit the Old Testament. And now the Muslims come along and they want to make everything Jesus did look like what Muhammad did. So they start writing miracles and stuff that don't even make sense in, my, in scientific terms or in common sense. Just to make Muhammad look as great as Jesus. And they wanted to make Jesus the greatest of all, so they took every prophecy in the Torah they could and made it match him. You know what I'm saying? This is the workings of men. And we're supposed to be able to work our way around them. <laughs> Thank you very much. So come. Have fun. Asalaamu Alaikum. Uh, I have a statement, and I guess it's a question, too. But... um. What I want to know is, when I first came in, we were talking about the Nubians, and um, I noticed that a lot of times when we talk, we talk about how black people is the majority of people all over the whole planet, and that um, this group of black people, okay, like Orientals and, and Spanish people and black people, we're all black people, we're all Nubians. Um, and I don't have any problems with that, but what... What bothers me sometimes is how when people talk about all the different races of Nubians and they put, a, put us all together, how to me it seems like black Americans get neglected. You know, they get like lost in the shuffle. And I notice how some black people try to make other Nubians um, worse off than black Americans. And I'll, I don't feel that way, and I don't... Let me ask you a question. Okay. You don't think Spanish Harlem is, is in a bad condition as Upper Harlem? That's not what I'm saying. Just ask the question. Do you think that the Latino brothers in this country and sisters are getting treated as bad as we are? 
Yes. About the new stock of Orientals, not the Koreans who they've given stores to. I'm talking about in Chinatown, where they now have gangs and ghettos and, and, and derelicts. See, what I'm saying, I don't have any problems with any of that. Okay. I, I can relate to all, <laughs> all of that, right, you know. But the point that I'm trying to make is that sometimes when black people push it away from black Americans and they start talking about other black nationalities, they seem to forget about their own problem. And I think that the problem of black Americans needs to be dealt with first. Well, listen to this. Before that you could really... Let me, let, me, let, me, let me add something. Okay. In Mother Africa, as it's called by people, I hate to use the word Africa because we're not Africans, we're Libyans, but people won't know who you're talking about if you don't say Africa. Right. Okay? But in Mother Africa, like Ethiopia, their conditions are worse than mine and yours. Mm-hmm. And they are us. Right. In Sudan, they're suffering, droughts. Their conditions are worse than ours, right? Right. So in reality, shouldn't we put attention on helping them get in a worse condition than we are and then get to ourselves? I'm just asking. Just a question. Okay. I just feel like we need to help ourselves first before we try to help anybody else. But that is ourselves. Those are our, that's, that's, yeah, that's Mother Africa. That is ourselves. And if the roots die, then the whole thing dies. I, and I agree with that. But if we don't help ourselves first, then how are we going to be able to help somebody else? Because we have two pieces of bread right now, and they have none. So if we just give them one, we both will raise up to the same level and then make the working force stronger to move to the third level. But if we eat both pieces of bread so we'll get strong enough to help them, masses of them in the millions will be dead. And they'll never be there when we come back to help them. They're dying literally of starvation on the streets in Ethiopia, in Somali, in uh, Sudan. People are dying of starvation. By the time we get ourselves together, and you will probably know already they like the white man, they like working for him, they like the way he treats them. It's going to take time to shake this hair thing. You know how many brothers and sisters in Mother Africa are going to die this year while we're getting it together? So being me and you are healthy, and our brain works, and we have two slices of bread, I say let's share one slice of bread and bring our brothers who are dying to a point where they won't die at least because the South African condition is just going to get worse. I think that we need to make some concentrated effort to do something about the conditions of the people in the Sudan from which we came as Nubians before we let them die. The white man will let our mother country die. If all of us then go in, bring Christianity, and then you won't be any good to the people over there. So you've got to go to Africa and convert an African back to Islam after he accepted Christianity. You like talking to a brick wall because the white man brought with him the Red Cross and food. He didn't bring no machinery so they can become independent. He brought grain and rice and beans and clothes and the Bible and a white Jesus, and that man starts to look like their savior. Though he saves them in one way, he murders them in the next. But he's doing the same thing to us over here, and if we can't get it together over here first, how will we be able to see those pitfalls over there to help anyone over there? Right, I just don't right. understand how we are going to be able to help. Okay, I'll tell you how. I By joining together and working together. We in the Ansar our community, have you seen our latest newspaper? You can see what we're doing on the inside. Right. We are building. So we don't consider ourselves as doing bad. Or our problem is convincing more of our own with qualifications to come. We need our own gynecologists, dermatologists, ophthalmologists, pediatricians. We need our own shoemakers, hat makers, tailors, seamstress. We need our own everything. But black people rather be on the outside of a 
of a working community and talk about what they heard take place in here than to come in here and find out for themselves and help us build. They'd rather go to some dude named Abdul from Queens who says, I used to be there, and I heard they do this, and I heard they do that, and he still lives in the project. He's still on welfare, but they won't come on the inside of here and work out with us and start because the more y'all come in, the stronger we get. The more you bring in, the more we have to produce and the more black people we reach. But as long as you're on the outside looking in, you can't see the power of the Ansar law growing because we're spending so much time trying to get y'all to come in and join that we y'all are not seeing what we have here. We are very, we are a very advanced community. I mean, from computer technology straight on out. Don't you see the book coming out like bam, yeah. bam, bam? How sophisticated do they, how do they look? Yeah, they look good. But Those see, that's, brothers, the, that's the exact point that I'm making. Well, you know, I can see the Ansars doing it from the inside out uh-huh. and how you're trying to bring everybody in. And um, I'm coming across the same type of problem when I'm out in the community trying to talk to other people about the well, Come on home and let me do the talking. I talk better than you. Yeah, you do. You do. Let, let me do it. Come on home and help me from the inside by typing some of these books and laying out these things and raising these black kids so they don't get that, you know what you saw on television earlier, so they don't get that image of white supremacy in their mind. And let me, I obviously was raised up to do the talking. Because one thing I do good is talk. <laughs> so I, give I, that to, I give that to you, Imam Easter, but you can't be everywhere at one time. I can be everywhere at one time. That's why they have international media. That's why right now, while I'm talking here, they're listening to me in Philadelphia and in Chicago and in Trinidad and in Barbados and all over the world because we can do that now. And the bigger we get, we'll then eventually we will satellite it. And not only will they be listening to me, they'll, they'll be looking at me and they'll be able to ask questions at one time. And then when I step down, I got five grown sons all speaking Arabic ready to come in. I'm not alone. I'm not going to make the same mistake other leaders make. I'm grooming my sons to step in where I step down. You follow? And they are sharper than I am. So they think they got a problem with me. They ain't seen nothing yet. Okay? Okay. But my thing is, my people won't support me. The people wrote a book about me and created a bunch of lies, and I answered the book, and you still didn't come home. Still on the outside talking in. They said, he did this, he does this, he did this, he was born here, I know the truth, I know this. I said, well, here, here's facts, here's the proof, here's pictures, here's dates, here's mathematics, here's the quote. And y'all are still outside saying, one day I'm coming in. What do I have to do to make you realize it? So you know the next thing I'm doing? I'm writing a book. And it's called 360 Questions to Ask an Orthodox Sunni Muslim. It has about 900 questions in it or more. But we say 360. You know why? Why? Because I'm saying to you people now, if you don't believe that I am the one that Allah has raised up from the east unto the west to reform you, then take this book out there and ask anybody to answer these questions. And when they can, and they can't, then I will. And then if you still don't join in, then you deserve whatever the white man does to you. Okay. If after this book gets out there and you start asking their white Arab friends and their red Arab friends, what is this and where is this and how is this? And they say, I don't know. The only thing they're going to say is he's crazy, he's anti-Islam, he's not a Muslim. He say, yeah, beside all that, answer this question. Right. Okay. So now, Imam Issa, all right, like for example, right now you're talking to me and you're talking to this group of people that's here and um, all those other places that you just named. But when we all leave from here, and when this here um, finishes being 
broadcast it or whatever, and you get into individual conversations with people that have never stepped foot over here, don't know what an Ansar community is, don't understand their blackness, don't want to relate to Africa, don't want to relate to Islam, don't even want to relate to the fact that they're black, period, you know, and they think that they're better than some of the other black brothers and sisters, you know, and you are not there, right? right? But listen to and this. I have to talk to these yeah, people. Yeah, but you don't have to do that. You know why? Because why? if you were here and 100,000 more of you were here, we would intimidate the white man so much that he'll start telling Uncle Remus and then how he really feels about them. The problem is there's still somebody for the white man to reason with and to talk to. There's still Negroes still going to lunch with him and hanging out with him. If everybody was in here and this, this community would start to expand across Bushwick, on down to Bedford Stuyvesant, and they'd be seeing white veils and white robes and us moving and patrolling all over the place, our own businesses, then those black people out there will become the object of the joke. The white man will turn on them because of you, because that's what they need. They need to turn around one day and see the white man for what he really is. They're afraid to because they got a job. You understand? Me and you got to do that by becoming so, such a strong force that everywhere they look, they see one of us. Mm-hmm. And then when they see a Negro who don't look like one of us, he wants to ask him, then what are you? Mm-hmm. Why right. haven't you woken up? Everybody else is awoke. Right. Right. That's the only way to do it. I understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah. There's that sister across, the, across town now in the Albany Project sitting on the second floor just saying, huh, I ain't getting caught up in all that old black stuff. Yeah. She will have no choice when we are providing food, clothes, shelter, and as Honorable Elijah Muhammad so clearly put it, which will breed love, peace, and happiness. When they see a healthy community for their kids. We have Arabic classes now here for people on the outside. Sisters, come here and bring their kids. Right? Right. We are building the nation from the inside and the out now. There is no more excuses. Okay, I'm not making it. No, no, not you. Not you. I'm talking about those people out there. They have no excuses. The gates are open. You understand? You can be outside and participate inside. Study your Arabic, bring your sister, your your kids here, bring your wives here, sisters, teach them Arabic. It's all laid out for you. Now, if they don't respond, lakum, dinukum, waliyadid. To them be their judgment and us be ours. Because then we're entitled to get what the white man gives us and we don't see the opportunity. Anybody can see is what the Ansarlah community is doing is working. Because I was impressed this morning, because I listened to a sister who came in the mic. I think she's the first sister. You know what was most impressive about what she was doing? She Good kept thing. saying the Amorite, the Amorite. She mm-hmm. wasn't saying the white man. Right. And the white man hears her in college saying the Amorite, the Amorite. Right. You know what he says? Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. They know who we are now. We're no longer lily white and pure and clean like Mr. Clean. We are the Amorite. Mm-hmm. Then she'll start saying the Canaanite, the Canaanite. And he'll mm-hmm. say, she even knows he has the curse. Mm-hmm. That means... And Star Law is moving. Mm-hmm. The Nubian nation is on the move. Yeah. What does Adam look like, y'all? Right. What does Isaac look like? Right. Abraham, right. Moses, right. Jesus, right. Muhammad, right. you. Right. We're on the move. Yeah. Our flag is flying high. We're doing good. All we got to do is come together and work outward like a nucleus and keep multiplying themselves. And like the, like the brother said, and there ain't. In, in plain, simple black language, and there ain't no stopping us now. Right. You done blew. You took too long. You were so busy worrying about my brother, Minister Louis Farrakhan, and how to stop him. And you were so busy worrying about my friend and 
slaughter Yahweh ben Yahweh and imprisoning him, you overlook the real one. That's why they said he's going to come like a thief in the night. I was there all the time when the honorable Elijah Muhammad was here, just waiting my turn. I was just sitting in the wings, waiting the shot, waiting for the day. And now the day has come. Truth has arrived. False things will perish. The reformer is here. Not is coming, is here. And I will reform. And the first means of reformation is to get those white images out your head and get the dignity and the identity of a supreme being back in there. So you walk straight up, nose straight, and proud to be who you are. Get your garbs on, women. If you ain't going to put no veil on, put a long skirt on. Cover your bodies up. Get ready. Start to read Arabic. Start to get it. Forget them African study courses. Because ain't no much them Uncle Tom in most cases got a white wife, like the sister said. The guy in charge of the African organizational club got a white girlfriend. Still love the white man. They can't break away from the slave master. He's one pushing the crumbs off the table on the floor for them to eat. That's what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught. But no, 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 no. You know how the, you know he said, come forth, Lazarus. You were in a tomb. Rigor mortis had already set in, brothers and sisters. You have been mentally dead for a long time. And I'm saying to you, like Jesus said to Lazarus, come forth, Lazarus. And I ask the Lord, Subhanahu to give me the strength to resurrect you from the mental dead. Come forth, Lazarus. Come to life everlasting. Join amongst your own and build the Nubian nation. Then we have the option to either go home or make this our home because it doesn't belong to either me or the white man. It belongs to the Indian. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, I understand what you're saying. But we, we, can't, we can't let them make us get discouraged and stop believing because without faith, there's no hope. And I see, and I know you see, when you walk to see people in pendants, and now we got jackets out. We're trying to put anything out to keep the name going across. And with the name Nubian Nation, Nubian Nation, they're like that brother standing, a couple of people I got the flag with the unk. He got a couple of symbols on his chest. But in the midst of there is that flag, black, red, and green. And I'm not saying red, black, and green. We didn't make no mistake. We didn't say red, black, and green. We're saying black, red, and green. And you see people say, we're not wearing no doggone Jamaican flag. So take off the yellow and the green because that was given to you by the white man. We're wearing black, red, and green. And the reason why black is first and not red is because the red on the flag symbolizes blood. We do not, I repeat, we do not intend to bleed again. So we have removed the black and put the black first and put the red second. Because you will not do to us what you've done. Now let me go back and make something clear. Do you know that when brothers join into Sunni Islam, that they're back in the slave trade? See, it was the Arabs that sold you into slavery. So now if some brother in America accepts money from one of those organizations, money for blacks in America, he is now becoming John Hawkins. He's receiving money to sell you back under their rule so you can back their philosophy on Islam. Don't you see that if the brother Philip gets paid to try to make us unite with them, it's another form of the slave 
the Arab slave trade, after Brother Siraj Wahaj is trying to get money to build a mosque on Bedford, then they're going to send into them their kind of teachings with their kind of doctrine, and they're going to be back in an Arab slave trade. And we all got to pray that Minister Louis Farrakhan does not get tempted by that beast and fall victim to, fall victim to him. Yes. And also, keep praying for me. If they don't also get me. I'm not saying that he's no weaker than I am or no stronger than I am. The devil is busy. Right. I have no intention of talking to him. So it's going to be real difficult for him to convince me to do anything. Because <laughs> I don't want to go to their meetings. I don't want to meet them. I don't want them to ask me for nothing. And I don't want nothing from them. You can be assured, I'm going to say, get lost. Mm-hmm. Y'all got people worshiping the Kaaba and adoring the Kaaba and kissing the black stone and throwing rocks at brick figures and saying that they're killed, throwing rocks at the devil. Ain't no more religion of Abraham over there. You got the religion of the pagan Arabs there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to adhere to that. And they said the sun will rise in the West. You are the sun. You are rising in the West. You may not speak Arabic well, but you know what the prophecy said? Hear and obey, even if a man is an Ethiopian. And Ethiopians were not speaking Arabic. You are the Savior. You are the body of Christ. You understand? This may sound like what, what Warab D. Muhammad said. He said it, but he didn't understand it because he wasn't listening to his father. You are the body of the Christ. You are the resurrection. You are the truth. You are the light. You understand that? And all you got to do is get prepared like a bride for the groom, and the Messiah will return for you. That's all you have to do is get prepared. Get in your bride's gown. And women, even in Christianity, they told you when you get married to put on a veil. They don't know nothing about the veil except for when they come to marriage, then they throw on a little veil mm-hmm. and say it represents purity and virginity. Well, it also represents what's sent in the book of Revelation where Jesus said the, the end of the world is like the marriage supper of the Lamb. You read that before? It said you got to be prepared like a bride, preparing yourself for that. Well, that veil is part of it. I know you're pretty. I know you don't want to cover your face, but covering your face is unveiling your heart. You understand that? And what I mean by covering your face is unveiling your heart. That means when you cover your face, people have to judge you by your heart, not by your looks. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew what he was talking about and knew what he was doing. Cover your face and unveil your heart. Because an uncovered face and a sealed heart is the work of the devil. Um, another question I have, um, Chief Black Eagle, is a lot of people are saying that one day we're Native Americans, one day we're Muslims, one day we're Christians, one day we're Jews, and a lot of people are saying they're being left behind as far as the doctrine is concerned. What, what is your explanation to that? Well, it changes, because what I was trying to tell them is anything that's real is alive, it's growing and changing. Anything that's standing still is dead, right? What happens in our organization is what I was trying to do from day one is cover everything that has poisoned our people. Everything from Christianity to Islam to Judaism to Egyptology to Sumerianism, anything that they confront, extraterrestrialism, whatever they're confronted with, they're not going to be People that are trying to walk to stay with me side by side and walk all the way, they cannot be shaken. They can handle any 
everybody that approaches them, whether they're Freemason or Black Muslim, our brothers in the nation of Islam or the Hebrew Israelites, our brothers the Moors, we, we, we're able to converse on all platforms. You follow that? Right. We are a tribe of Native Americans. Those are, those, not, listen, I'm not saying everybody that's in Washington is a Native American. Some of them are not Native Americans, and they don't have to help us in the Native American part of the thing. Those that know that they are, then hurry up and get on, on, on the boat. Those that want to say, call themselves Nubians, those who want to call themselves Africans, those who want to call themselves Negroes, those who want to call themselves Latinos, want, whatever you want to call yourself, if you don't want to, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's your problem. But our doctrine has been growing. It's been growing because I try to be unlike most teachers. Most teachers will teach you their philosophy, and that's it. I don't have a philosophy. I don't have a doctrine other than facts and truth. So therefore, I spend my whole time doing not one thing, teaching facts and truth about everybody's doctrine. That's why there's a Mosesism, a Christism, and a Mohammedism. And then I'll talk about Christianity, and I'll bring your, your consciousness to that, and then take it to a higher level of it so you can question it to make your mind work. You know what I'm saying? So when people approach you, you're not so easy, susceptible to crap. Because there's a lot of fast-talking, shrewd people out there. And if you've got enough doctrine in you to write down, ain't nobody can fool you. Now, true now, I knew a true who I think can stand against a storm, let alone a little breeze. Most of these weak things that are falling away side, they never was there anyway. The slightest wind made them fall. But the truth of is that he got his roots so deep in the ground, and when the wind comes, of sentiment and pride and jealousy and envy, and I heard this and I feel this, and they said this about him, and I don't know whether to believe this, and I don't know who to trust. Those niggas, those weak people fall. When the strong people, the wind just blows right on past them because they see that my miracle is my work. My miracle is not floating around the sky. My miracle is not making apples appear and disappear. My, work, my miracle is in... I'm compassionate when she needs the warmth for compassion. future about like making uh robots that look like humans and also they spoke about a a, a spiritual computer I was right. wondering um what's like what would it do you know like get information on spirituality or can it do something to you or no when they say a spiritual computer what scientists what they're doing right now is, is real frightening because they have learned that what they call matter is not the final stage. And what they call atomic energy is not the final stage. Now here's the deep part, that once they found out that an atom, an hydrogen atom, what they have claimed is the lightest sum of energy for the last 100 years. Once they found out that the atom wasn't the lightest and that they were quartz, and then after that, Zeus, always through school, when they taught us about self, they would always compare a cell to an atom. They would say, well, an atom has a nucleus and it has electrons and protons moving around it, just like the cells in the human body. So, if they became aware of the fact that hydrogen, which they thought was the lightest atom, is not, that there is invisible matter 
matter that does not have a sum. By that I mean the word we use, something, really comes out S-U-M-T-H-I-N-G. The sum of the things, how something, what it amounts to. So they say hydrogen is the lightest atom or the lightest thing in existence. Once they found quartz, they have to alter all the scales and all the weights, be it metrics or whatever, because there's no weight for quartz. There's no substance for the quartz. There's no density for the quartz. So it is actually a spiritual thing that they have confirmed exists when for years they couldn't prove that the spiritual world exists. The acceptance of an element lighter than an atom is admitting that there is some existence intelligence that is not perceivable by any equipment that they have made to date. So with that being related to energy, now let's go to the human cell. So when they found that out, then they must have also found out that beneath the lightest, the smallest form of matter, there must also be intelligent energy. So they confirmed the ba and the ka and the ah of ancient Egypt, that there is a spiritual world. There is an etheric world, an intelligent abode that they are now tapping into with computers because they couldn't tap into it with the ordinary mathematician's mind. So they use math to do this. So what they're calling these new spiritual computers are computers that will be able to detect or sense intelligence not perceivable by the human eye. They will be looking into Exmo Plasma and the spiritual world. Now what they don't know is the gates of the spiritual world. And when they open them, when they make this magnetic link, the way you do with electricity, when you make a mistake and grab electricity, it has a thing. You grab it, and it grabs you. And then it decides to travel from its destination and include you in its path, and it zooms through your whole body. When they bite into this spiritual world with these computers, what they don't want to admit is that when it grabs, when they grab it, it's going to grab them. Now, do they know that happened? Yes. It's called the Ouija board. And they have admitted over the years, if you play with a Ouija board, you can open up a porthole or a gate to another side where you will be plagued with demons for the rest of your life. No, Jesus is not coming through the Ouija board for you. However, there'll be people on the other side, disembodied souls, that will speak to you and pretend they're Jesus. And then tell you, see, you got to go out and save the world. You got to go out and kill all those people. Because they take pride in having an effect on the physical world. These are people who died prematurely died in hate crimes, died by, by uh, brutal murders, and they're now ethically trapped in this realm with you. They're called disembodied souls. Oh, you feel them. You feel them on the back of your neck sometimes. You feel them breathing. You feel it sometimes when you're walking and you, 
They step periodically into this realm by accident, but you know what enhances their presence? The adrenaline in your body. The fear. See, a dog also picks it up. That's why I said a dog can tell when you're afraid and will go after you. Also, a dog can hear sounds you don't hear and see things on a level they see spirits you don't see. So can cats. And that's why they use dogs and cats in witchcraft. Because they have a link to both worlds. Now they have to come to the reality that these things are no longer the twilight zone. They're no longer the twilight zone. It's real. And now they're able to weigh the soul. They're able to detect through Curlian photography the reality that if they clip off your finger, that something's still there and they can pick it up with a camera. They can actually film it. Did you know that? It's called Curlian photography. Look it up. They can remove your arm and put it under a light and you'll see your fingers and everything come right back in, though there's no arm there. This is a fact today. So they have to accept that there was something about that Bible, something about that Koran, and something about that Torah, which all came from the Egyptian writings. You understand? Something about that religion that they got from those Egyptians and their connection with the stars and their talk about the soul and the spirit and the etheric you, the ba, the ka, and the ah, or the ruach, or the ruh in the Torah, or the Holy Ghost. There's something about the fact that Horus was known to be a falcon and Jesus was known to be a dove. There's something about the connection between the birds and these two so-called divine children. And Horus being the son of Osiris, a god, making him the son of God and Ra, as Ra Harakati, Ra the god, so he was a son of God and God on earth. In Egypt, something like 10,000 years, cutting it short before Jesus was born. Something about the fact that that's written on a wall, carved in a stone, kept in a tablet, locked in a vault, and kept in the bony cage of those few fortunate beings that have access to that information. There's something about that, you hear me? Something about the link between that information and why they want us to be everything but Egyptian. <laughs> they don't mind us being Christian. They don't mind us being Muslim. They don't mind us being Buddhist. We can cut our hair off and get a little patch and put an orange robe on and be a Hare Krishna. Stand in the airport and tell them, but don't link up and take Egypt seriously. They fought against Dr. Ben Yachlin for over 50 years as he tried to reveal how powerful Egypt was. Him and the power the Egyptians had once they start realizing they're Egyptian. That's the first thing. The first realization is, I'm not just studying Egyptology. I am an Egyptian. I know y'all are thinking, walk like an Egyptian, talk like an Egyptian. They did that too. They put that in your mind, so it turns it into a joke and away from the reality. In other words, their present-day scientists 
have now come to face the reality that there is a spiritual world and that you are directly linked to it. Out of all the countries in the Caribbean, right? Which country is suppressed and kept the poorest? Haiti. Listen again. <laughs> Out of all the countries in the Caribbean, you're right. Which country? Why Haiti? Boudé. Voodoo. White folks by the hundreds of thousands go to Louisiana for the Mardi Gras, strip off their clothes, get buck naked, stunk drunk at a voodoo ceremony. You understand? Why? Because they're seeking soul. They're seeking contact with something. They know there's something missing because get that beat? I could ask any one of y'all to get up and lock yourself in physically with those sounds. Not just, I don't want to just use the word dance, but that's one of the tricks. I don't just want to say dance. I want to say you can lock yourself in with that sound, and if you keep going, you'll go into a form of ecstasy. So they create a drug called ecstasy to detour your mind from that reality. They create clubs. Bumping beats and have children spend from 10 to 4 in the morning in a form of ecstasy now dancing to the music. Going to concerts would stir up a certain amount of energy that makes the kids bum rush the stage, step and crush people while in this state of. So they see that when we gather in groups and we start linking our emotions. Things start happening. So they made laws, unlawful assemblies. What does it mean? Three or more of y'all standing in one place is dangerous. What the heck does that mean? Three or more ethics in one place on a corner is dangerous. How do they automatically become dangerous? Because there's going to be some type of mental link that can take us to a state of ecstasy. And while we're there, we might happen to see a white person walk by and remember <laughs> what they've done to us and just out of the clear blue sky decide, I'm going to burn my foot in your butt. I don't know you. I don't know you, but I know what you have done to my people in America, in the Caribbean, in Cuba, Puerto Rico, even where? Africa? Well, I know what you've done to my people where? China? I know what you do to people. I know what you are. You are the devil. You hear me? But you told us then there's going to be hate, enmity, enmity, jealous between the woman who was who? Eve, power. Whatever name you want to use. And who else? And Satan. And Satan's what? They say Satan's Zira in Hebrew. Satan's Zira. His offspring. 
So the Bible admits to us in Genesis chapter 3 that the devil has a zitter in Hebrew. He has a seed. A seed is coming from reproducing, a begetting, a willard. A ulad in Hebrew, willard in Arabic, to conceive a child. So the Bible admits in Genesis 3 that Satan is going to have children. And his children are going to be against Eve's children. And the description of Adam in the Bible is Adama. Adama, from Edema, from brown, red soil, from the clotted blood. If you cut a person and you take the blood out and let it sit, when the air hits it, it turns back to brown dirt, granulins, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. So the original man, Adam, was black. You understand? And Eve was black. So if Eve was black, according to the Bible, you hear me? And God said, I'm going to put hate between your seed, devil, and Eve's seed, and Eve was black, then there's a physical devil walking around on earth with us. Having children when we have children. You hear me? The difference is, as much as we aspire for peace, we'll march for peace. We'll turn the other cheek. They aspire hate. Racism. Killing. Wars. They manufacture drugs. Now they got cartoons killing people. Killing each other. Demons and gargoyles in the cartoons. But they don't want prayer in school. A boy can walk into school with a comic book called The Demons of Hell and Gargoyle, but if he has a Bible, the teacher tells him, don't open that Bible, you better not read it in here. But he can sit at his desk and read a book on the demons. And we don't have a problem. We got a problem to work with. We got a problem to solve. And the only way we're going to solve it is where? Right inside here first. We got to solve it amongst ourselves first. We got to realize what we're up against. We got to realize that every time we turn on a television program, we are being programmed. And so is his people. But the difference is they're the seed of the devil. Like Christ said, and he's a liar and a killer since the foundation of the earth. You understand? And they don't want you to teach that. The devil is a man. They want you to think the devil is off the hot sauce bottle. That he's a little red fellow with a pitchfork, with horns. That's what they want me and you to think the devil is when the devil is on the train with you every day. The devil is about his devilishness. He's moving through the world. He's more prominent now than he's ever been. St. Tonic Church, incorporated in 1966 in California, and who gave him his charter? Ronald Reagan. Don't believe me? Check it out. The devil, he's only afraid of you. He's afraid of this unity. He's afraid of us coming together. He's afraid of the power that we generate when we get together. As we become in one accord, we start focusing our mind on anything and start chanting on that thing, start happening. 
happens in the church, it happens in the mosque, it happens in all religions. It ain't got nothing to do whether you're a Christian, Jew, or Muslim. Muslims go into ecstasy as Sufis, and Christians are getting the Holy Ghost. It's the same power. It's not that. The power is in you. Because God said what? I breathed my spirit into you, and you became a living soul. You ain't a man. You're a living soul. He's a man. You're a spirit incarnating. And you have the power to project that energy. But you've confined yourself to the body. And in that, you've confined yourself to certain places in space and time. You've limited yourself by accepting the confinement to the body. When you can think right now, from here back to your house. Go to your room. Go to your bedroom and make up that bed. Walk on out the room. Walk on to the kitchen. Stop and look around. See it? You are there and you are here at the same time. When you learn to control that mind power, you can send a powerful you, an ethnic you, anywhere in the world or in the universe. In that state, you cannot die. But if they can confine you by pain and suffering and fear to a bed where all your mind is based on getting up out that bed, if you die, you are bound to that spot. You are easily trapped in a space and time. The same way, like I said before, if I focus a video camera on you and I spun around, hit that light and spun back, that light would go into that lens and burn itself into the lens, and that light will stay there for a while and gradually fade away. The same thing happens with you and death, because you are an energy field. The physical part of you makes the light. You understand? The soul of you is in darkness. That's why when people are conceived, they're conceived while in what state? Light or darkness? They're in the wound in darkness. No man's hand can get in there and operate. The devil has now put light in the womb. What is light? Chaos.
They wouldn't be able to if you wouldn't let them bother. He says, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and they'll deceive many. So the Christians have read this chapter and said, See, there's going to be many people saying that Christ. That's not what it says. It says, Many are going to come in his name, saying, He is Christ. They're going to pronounce Jesus as Christ. That's who we got to watch out for. Not some fool like Yahweh and Yahweh. Then how Christ? Then we long before we figure out he ain't Christ. We gotta watch the people that are pointing the finger at other people and say, Behold, Christ. But it says that later on in this same chapter. If they say he's in the sky, don't believe him. They say he's in the east, don't believe him. They repeat it. But Christians use this and say, Anybody, any man that says he's Christ, any man that says he's Christ is fucking nuts. You ain't got to go to that chapter. You ain't got to go. You ain't got to get past this one. You know what I'm saying? I don't get the ones who are out there like Jimmy Swagger. You know what Swagger means, don't you? It means to stick your hand in somebody's pocket and say something. <laughs> Jimmy Baker means to Jimmy the lock off the door and steal something. Who is the gentleman guy that always took his name? Reverend Price. <laughs> And these people are caught in the name of Jesus, they say, doing all kind of evil things. Now, we know they're not in the name of Jesus for real. Not in the name of the real Jesus. Let me just say it for a second. Say for a minute. If you think, you folks say, y'all think, I'm talking about our Savior, Jesus. I am not. If you think I'm insulting our true Heavenly Father, I am not. I'm talking about this bullcrap. I'm not talking about the fact that the state is coming to us. I am not talking about that. I'm talking about this whitewashed bullcrap. If you think I'm talking about the Heavenly Father, I'm saying he doesn't involve himself in those mundane things like that. We will put over those things. It's just so. I gave you dominion over the fish and sea. And over the foul air, and over everything that we do, responsible for all this stuff happening. As God. And that's why I said this book. Is it not written in your law? I said, you are God. God declared you are God. And gave you responsibility for everything on earth. And you took off that throne of that, that role of God in you and became an animal. Stuff, he can't prove it. Everything I say, I prove. That's what makes me different. They talk about stuff they can't prove. No doubt. A brother told me, he said, we're all Moabites. I said, I believe that we are Moabites. Do you know what Moab means? He said, of course. Of my father. I said, who was that father? Lot. I said, who was the mother of Moab. His daughter. So you're saying our nation is conceived in incest? Are you proud to go around saying we are Moabites insofar as we were conceived in an ancestral act of Moab and Ammon, the two sons of Lot, his two daughters, to Ruth, who went and surrendered her faith to the Israelites, or you call the Jacobites? You're coming to, you're bringing us people who didn't stand up for what they believe. You're bringing us people who bow down to others. 
Come on now. Talk to me about Abraham, who gave Lot the choice of Solomon. The test. Do you take the fertile land, the easy route, the shortcut, or do you want the barren land to prove that you can work by the sweat of your brow? Come on, wait a What did Lot do? Go with the easy one. Lot took the easy route out. Where did he them? The Solomon Gomorrah. Amen. Come on now. Everybody come get him. Abraham. Come get him. <laughs> I don't say we're not Moabites. We are some Moabites here. We are some Ammonites here. We are some Israelites here. We are some Israelites here. And we are some Edomites here. And in order for you to be a Moabite, you've got to be an Israelite. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, let me open the song. To the 83rd chapter, the fifth verse. Go ahead, yeah. And read. Anybody got a song? And you read that the Hagarians and Hagar was Egyptian, Abraham's Egyptian wife, who gave birth to Ishmael. The Hagarians, the Moabites, fell up under the Edomites. It tells you about it. Anybody got one? Nobody got a song? Read it out for us. 83rd, 5. For they have consulted together with one percent. They are confederate against me. The tabernacles of Edom and Ishmael of Moab and Hagar, Hagarim. It says the tabernacles of who? The tabernacles of Edom and Ishmael. The tabernacles of Edom. Now, what does Edom mean in the Bible? It means red. Washa. Washa. From where they get Washata. From a French word, oh, she. From Nas, she, tush. U.S. Nashatush. A Native American tribe, the Neshitu, from the Oshi, we get Washi Ta. It means of the red soil. The same name as Edom. Same identification in Psalms. This is how our teachers must walk with us. They can't just walk with us with big words. They got to go to the blackboard and show it. They got to go to the scripture to show you the place. They got to break down the words and take you by your hand and walk you step by step across that burning sand. And when you reach that great arch and you look up at that cornerstone and want to make that step from darkness into light, you know when you get on the other side, everything you see is about you. There's no cremation that walk that path that when he gets on top, don't find us standing there. (laughs) Don't tell me about no star and crescent. You've been fooled. Trinus don't call it a star and crescent. They call it the claw of the paw of the Bengal tiger out of India, where the great lodge is at in Lahore, Pakistan, where all your Pakistani Qurans are coming from. And on the altar 
in the hall of Pakistan, in that great lodge, there is a Quran. But it begins with a B. Mm. <laughs> that in London, where the Anglican church is, yes, where the Bible, holy as it may become, sits on the altar, it sits there because it begins with a B. <laughs> And in Israel, Israel today, where they're meeting in the skull and bone room of privacy, <laughs> the folk in the room of privacy, where they fell back on the skull and froze and was ripped out from darkness back to life. The Tanakh or the Torah that sits on the altar in the lodge in Tel Aviv begins with a B. The 13th stone, the cornerstone. Who was called the cornerstone? Jesus. Jesus was called the cornerstone. The chief cornerstone is depicted in Rome as an arch. The 13th. But in our great seal, it's depicted as a pyramid. With the cornerstone changed into the eye of all who know of either Hob, Horus, or Osiris, both being under the eye of Ra, who became the almond of all your churches. Amen. 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 You with me? A brother said to me that the pyramid on the back of the dollar bill was the great seal of the Moorish nation. I said, oh, it sounds nice, same brother Hakeem. It sounds nice. However, why are we using an Egyptian pyramid if you're talking about people that were indigenous of America? Why didn't they put an American pyramid back there? There are pyramids here in America. We are the original mound builders. That's why I strategically brought you here to Eatington. Do you know that? Come on with it, Just last month's Geographic Magazine, we repeated an article about the Eagle Rock Mound built by you. It's less than 15 minutes from here. Close as I could get without being in the park. <laughs> and on the top of that mound, and out of the Washington, they have a picture in the magazine right inside. They show it to you. They say that's one of the greatest symbols, the Eagle. What would that eat? Huh? That's called what in Native American culture? The great spirit. It takes all your prayers and messages through the stars, but it soars to heaven. It came adapted as an American symbol from the Phoenix. And the Phoenix comes from where they got the dove. You with me? Oh, and why they use the dove? <laughs> They use the dove because the dove, when you take it and put it inside your bosom, goes into a coma state. It goes to sleep. Did you know that? Oh, that's why magicians use a dove. Because they put a dove in their hat. Now go buy a pet. Go buy a pack of pet shop and ask and find out what I'm trying to kill. They put a dove out of the sun's light. It goes into a coma state and refuses to move. If you pull it out, it comes to life and fire. It's your resurrection story. And they chose a white dove in Christianity when doves come in all kinds of colors and speckles, oh, yeah. including dark brown, all tones. Oh, yeah. 
And if they, they chose a descending dove, coming down to light upon Jesus, to remain with him forever. Going nowhere. Going to sleep. All of these are the mystery. That's why that eagle is there. That mound is a landing point when the crash comes. I'm already. I'm already. Now, that doesn't mean go out there and start standing around there. <laughs> That's only why they stop there on their overboard to do it because <laughs> you might get zapped by the Anunnaki because they see your light, not your body. They see whether or not you are setting off a positive, pure green light, the essence of all life on this planet, or you setting out an amber light. So you better remember Independence Day, all them fools that got up on that roof who thought just because they put on extraterrestrial costumes and say welcome, they got zapped. Don't think you can't get that if you're out there doing all kinds of devilishment and think they're going to take you with them home. Ain't nobody taking those drunken, stunken, drunk niggas home with them. Why should they take you back to risk so you can mess their crowd up? To bring your music and your loudness and your voices and your talk and your bad habits? Why should they? Muslims ain't going nowhere. People say, you always told us 144,000 Muslims. Before the poison, before the iron 
of this atmosphere through the air got into your body and oxidized and rust you into brown. You could speak about being brown and all that kind of stuff. When you wasn't even brown, you think that's not that's why a man makes so much fun of the green, I mean the green Martians are coming? Green Martians. <laughs> right. Every time that man plays a trick like that, believe it, there's some truth in it. He's talking about you. Back to the other points, I got so many. I got 76 trillion years of information. <laughs> I'm only supposed to give y'all 25,000 years. Sir. I got scrambled all in in 30 years. But back to the whole original, the original point, this is a French name. The tribe was the Shoshone. The Shoshone Nubian tribe. Why? Because Ben York's name was not Ben York. That was a name given to him. Son of York. His father's name was Ali. I know. It's my grandpa. <laughs> on my mother's side. They came here from Mali. You understand that? And was taken into slavery because he spoke all the dialects of the different tribes who came here. The Native American tribes that are here came because of a Chinaman named Ho Shen. When he got here, he met people that were already here, woolly haired, dark-skinned people that they call the Kachina. They also call them the Hopi from the Egyptian deity Hopi. And they married and lived with them in peace. And they produced what you see today as Orientals with sad eyes and round faces and light skin and straight hair. The giveaway is understanding the science of hair. Nine, the highest number. The zodiac does not have 12 signs. They didn't find the last two plants until after the 18th century. So they couldn't add 12 signs of the zodiac back in the biblical times. They only had six months in the year. That's why they made a mistake and said Jesus was born in the year one. But he was born in the month of June. Nula, they called the Most High. So these people came over here, these Chinese, his name is Ho Shan, look it up. Sailed to California, mixed in with us, and produced the Native Americans. The dead giveaway is in the hair. Don't get mad, relax. I'm not going to do nothing but tell you the truth, and I want you to check it out or call me a fool. I want you to believe nothing I said. It ain't worth it. Only Chinese and Native Americans have hollow hair. Did you know that? Did you know that they have hollow hair? Do you know that that's why Chinese can't curl their hair? We have orientals in the town. That makes me get first-hand information. We have Native Americans in the town. The head of the Shoshone, the high priestess of the Shoshone Nubian tribe is there. She lives on Quebec with us. For all of those here who are part Native American. That's her job in the, in the family. Only Native Americans and Chinese, and that's only some of the tribes of Native Americans, have hollow hair. Don't believe me. Be amazed. Check it out. Or better yet, come out the maze and find out. <laughs> Proving that it was the Chinese. And they go back to the Ming Dynasty. The Ming Dynasty, the people had nappy hair. The later Mongolians got the straight hair. They mixed in 
with people here on this continent with woolly hair and produce Native Americans. And that's why some Native Americans look Chinese. Our rights from out in the western part of the country raped the, what they call squaw. And that's why a lot of Caucasian country boys also have Oriental eyes. I don't know if you noticed it. Their eyes look like they're Chinese, a lot of country western singers. Because they're in their blood. And that's why they be cowboy but they always have Chinamen in there. But they were marrying into them also. This is, these, now, these are, the, 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 these are real facts. There's a whole lot of facts out there, but there's a real fact, too. Some people go check out. Now, some of the people say, I'm not sure. Don't tell me about stuff. And I'm not saying, did you prove it to me? And you say, well, from what I heard, I heard the brother say, when the Declaration of Independence was being signed, some mysterious man walked in and told them, sign it. <laughs> and all of them signed it. Who's the mysterious man? We don't know. Don't tell me about that kind of stuff. Right. Don't tell me about it unless you can prove it to me. Right. I've been lied to so many times. I've been lied to in Islam. I've been lied to in Judaism. I've been lied to in Christianity. I've been lied to in Rosicrucian, Seven Day Event. I've been lied to by so many different people. If you can't bring me no facts, keep it, y'all. Keep this, keep it. And if you're going to bring it, I'm going to ask. I'm trying to raise a group of people here that will ask questions. That's why we're the only ones who we started. Now everybody's trying it. Come on in, sit down and ask questions. <laughs> they don't take They don't want it. They can't do it, my sister. They can't stand here and take it. They won't let me come up there and question me. You say, bring, bring Dr. Yorkie, mommy. That's demon. That's good. I'll be all kind of But all of them say, no, 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 no. <laughs> because I'll come out and say, this is not a fed. This is a tunnel bush. Fez is a place in Morocco. Fez, there you go again. <laughs> Fez is an Arabic word. They say this. Fez. There is no such Arabic word as Fez. It is a French word. The French Foreign Legion wore Fezes, which was a short cap similar to this with a brim and claw. And when they inducted the Algerians into the army, because they couldn't pray with a brim on the front of it, they tore the brim off. <laughs> you understand? And that's the short fence that you hear the Masonics use. Right. It has nothing to do with the royal tarbush. If you're going to sound right in front of the world, stand up and say, this is a tarbush. And this is not new in the Ansar law community. It's not new. I'll show you a picture of me wearing a title bush in 1970. That's how we used to wear it. Long before we put in the Targians and Emmas, we were known for our feds, as they call it, and we kept saying, no, title bush, feds, title bush, feds is a place where, women, where, when the Crusades was overpowered. The Muslims, they keep saying they won, they lied. The Knights of Templars overpowered them and cut off Mecca and cut off Jerusalem. They had to reroute the pilgrimage to Fez. And there, the Freemasons picked up the headdress of the French. The word. You want some more? Yeah. 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 This word here? The whole truth. They? Oh. It's not Arabic. It's no. Turkish. What are Turks? Germanic French people. 
The word comes from the from the Turkic word uh, B E G, beg, and it means a ruler. But it's not one of our names. However, the name L, which is mispronounced as Eel, like Mirage was mispronounced, can be found as L and Al. And goes back to the name Ali, but there's no Bay, Day, L, Al, Ali. L, Al, and Ali are all the same name. And it leads back to, you want some more? Yeah. It leads back to Ali, the, the nephew of the Prophet Muhammad, born 572, of Arabia, the so-called Arabian prophet. His daughter, Fatima, married Ali. And Ali, the way they spell it in the Shrine Temple, is A-L-E-E, look at the man, is the one who initiated the Masonic Law or the Shrine Temple in this country in 1877. The year you say Farah was born. That's when they brought it here, when some noblemen, Caucasians, got initiated by the Saudi Arabian government to bring the information here. The Moroccan government did the same thing years before that to Americans. So you have a Moroccan lodge here, and they'll say more right on their feds. And you have the ancient Arabic order. Then you have the ancient Egyptian Arabic order. One taking it down to the daughters of ISIS. One taking it back to Saudi Arabia, to Mecca. They go to Mecca and they perform the ritual in Mecca at the Kaaba. They dismantle their camel there. You understand what All of this is brought to this country and taught to you as real Islam for you. And as Mishi said, well, the Amorites used to respect us. When they saw you in the fest, they wanted to know, do you know what you were wearing? But when you put up the five-pointed star and crescent, they said, they don't know. They don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no sun to get in front of no moon. Ain't no five-pointed star and crescent could be a real symbol, because a star is a sun. You can't get the sun in front of the moon under no circumstances. So it must be an illusion. It must be for confusion. <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? What is the symbol? They think the shrine of symbol is a star and person with a sword on the top. It's not what it is. It's the claw of the world venom tiger. That's what you see. Ask anybody who walks through the lodge who wants to say secret. You don't know what you're talking about. The symbol you're riding on is on the Bahamut symbol. You know what the Bahamut is? The Mendez symbol. You know what the Mendez is? The inverted pentagram of the ram's head. The man who wrote the book, the Aquarian Gospel of Jesus, from which the modern scientists get their Quran Circle 7. He's the one who drew that picture of that creature. Look on the bottom and you see his name on the outside of the bottom of it. He drew a creature with fingers like this and with a five-pointed star here, a half goat, and half woman and half man and with hands like this and with a, a white crescent there and a black crescent there and a star in his head. Talking about white Islam and black Islam is all under the devil. <laughs> when they took it out of its pristine purity and then gave it back to you tampered with. Not the Lord, 
By the time they got into the picture, all they had was Shriner information. They don't know nothing about real Islam, the religion of Millah, Ibrahim, and Hanifah. They don't know nothing about it. Why the Muslims keep saying, no, religion is deen. It's the deen of Islam. The deen of Islam said, no, it's Millah. Millah, holy, holy Quran, chapter 2, verse 130, says Millah. Millah, the religion of Abraham. No, no, you know why? When you say Abraham before Moses, they couldn't explain what his religion is. So his religion would be Nuwako. Oh, yeah. And they can't explain that. They got to get after Moses to get to a religion. Because Moses, according to them, received the Torah. And the book of Leviticus, Leviticus gave them their first law. And then the New Testament came after that. So the Christians get their religion from the New Testament. The Jews get their religion from the Torah. And the Muslims get their religion from the Quran. It came after the Injil, as they call it, for the New Testament. So what was Abraham's religion? They don't know. And they can't no, Abraham was a Muslim. Prove it. Show me in the Torah. Well, that's because he prostrated. Okay, sounds nice, doesn't it? But he prostrated before you became Muslim. So it's not that he is a Muslim because he prostrated. It's you Muslims stole his prostration. You got it backwards. What makes Abraham a Muslim? Circumcision? He had to be taught that, and that was a Babylonian custom. What makes Abraham a Muslim? They don't know. They can't prove it. The Holy Quran speaks of Abraham's book. We gave Abraham the book. They, where's Abraham's book? They don't know. They don't have it. Yet you want me to follow you and say it's right and exact, and I should base the whole, my whole life on your translation of a Quran or your translation of a Torah, and you don't have no facts. I'm supposed to live until I die on his on hopes. I need some facts for my soul's sake. And for the souls of my children and their children, I need some facts. I don't need no more myths. Make things clear to me. And I told y'all when I came on the scene, I came to step on this. (laughs) People are not going to like me. But I'm a made man. Made for you. Not made for the Masonic Lodge. Made for you. I have been prepared to answer questions. That's why they raised me. I was born speaking 19 languages. I was proud. I don't want to be this. I would, I would, I would prefer being Dr. Yorker Singer. They talk about Dr. was more fun than this. <laughs> <laughs> but I came programmed with information to inflame you. So get your pilot lit up again. Facts. Get you jumping again. Get you moving again. Get you alive, Lazarus. Now, when you go out there, you go out there and you say, no, 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 no. That ain't no fed, brother. That is a... Uh-huh. And then we can go to the dictionary and look that up. <laughs> say, no, that thing fed. We ain't no bay. Bay is Turkish. We ain't no Turks. Turks are European. We are eels or elves. And that eel or elf was waiting for Geb. Remember Geb? They come from shoe. When shoe the God up here comes down to Geb and you put the L, Gabriel, Nusku, waiting for the incarnation of an angel in flesh again. Do angels come in flesh? According to your Bible, it says right in the 11th chapter that the gods in heaven looked down and saw the mystery. So one of them came down to earth and then came back and told the heavenly father, man is mischief making. And they said, let's 
Go down there and see what he's doing in your Bible. So some beings from up there came down here, and when they got here, what did they see? And what did they do? They diversified the tongue. How hard is it to diversify the tongues? Is it difficult? No, it's extremely simple. It's called mass hypnosis. You can go to Las Vegas and send the audience of a magician who calls himself fraud. <laughs> and he hypnotizes the whole audience and has people acting like dogs and clowns and all kind of weird things without them even knowing. That's right. Asking why I went to Las Vegas. Because I wanted to see Luxor. I wanted to see this thing they built called a pyramid and a sphinx. I want to see what they're doing with our way of life. Because if you don't use it, they will. They don't want you to go nowhere near Egypt. You know why? Because you can see yourself on the wall in Egypt. So they can't lie to you. They want you to call yourself Muslim because Muslims don't have no images. You see that game? So we call ourselves black Muslims, this kind of Muslims, Muslims, all kind of stuff, but we can't show no pictures of ourselves to verify it. So people say, man, Muslims are Arabs. And Arabs don't have woolly hair, they have straight hair. They belong to the straight hair family. They're not one of y'all. You understand that? They want you to call yourself Hebrews because according to Hebrews, Torah is forbidden to make pictures. It's forbidden to make statues of yourself. It's forbidden to make images of yourself. They don't want you to be no Yoruba. They don't want to see no statue of Shango in your house. Or the lot. They don't want you to be no Santeria. When you see a Shango statue, they don't want that. You follow what I'm saying? But it's all right for the Catholics that have saints and saints that saints and a whole bunch of white people statues. It's all right for the Muslims all over the Muslim world. And if you travel, and I have all over the world, if you go to Morocco now, you see King Hussein's pictures all over the street. If you go to Saudi Arabia, you see the royal family and big posters, I mean life-size and bigger. All over the street. Pictures themselves. But they'll tell you, don't paint no pictures. They got mad when I did a picture of the Prophet Muhammad. They said, he's a black picture. He's crazy. <laughs> but they know the power of a picture. You know the power of a picture and an image in the heart of a child. And in Genesis, it says, I paid a man in my image after my life. I made a picture of him and gave him my attitude. <laughs> they wanted to take away the picture and leave the attitude. I put back the picture and the attitude. I got people walking around saying, no, 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 no. He doesn't say he's God. All of us are God. <laughs> there can't be a he is a God because the Bible and the Quran both uses us and we. That's right. That's right. So they got all of us got, are we not God? Didn't Jesus say, is it not written in your law, I said, ye are? That's right. So did. And all of you are the children of the most. Ah, oh. There must be one from amongst you who is the wisest amongst you. There's not a person in this room, and even, if, even though some of y'all think you can, they can stand up and go toe-to-toe with me in facts. 
If you say you're Muslim, I'll switch right into Arabic on you. If you say you're Hebrew, I'll switch into Hebrew on you. Because that's what you're supposed to know. You will not stand up in front of me and take out a Christian Bible by a Caucasian named King David and tell me this is your Bible. You don't have a your Bible until one of you translates it. As long as it's a King James Bible from the Anglican Church of England, you ain't from England, you ain't Anglican, that's not your church, and King James Bible is not yours. So when Yahweh been now it's got his own Bible, and all he did is took pitch, do some cartoons of black people, and stuck it inside a King James Bible and rebound it, that's not our Bible. You ain't got no Bible until you got your own Bible. Right. Right. Someone who's sensitive to your feelings translates one for you. Thank you. Someone who find the word nigger in there. Right. <laughs> you know why? Because old Reverend Porkchop and Pastor Chisholm is not going to tell you about no nigger in the Bible. Don't y'all, don't you get mad at me. I'm the best man, like I said before. I'm the best thing that happened to you. Right. For no other reason, if you ain't sitting there with stomping under a spell thinking I'm trying to hurt you, you get enough information to ask questions that might open your mind. But if you're stooping under some kind of white spell, then you think I'm the bad guy. I'm the boogie man. Because you've been trained to hate dark skinned people. If I was standing there, high yellow curly hair, I'd get a heck of a lot more attention. Standing there, all tone with woolly hair makes it difficult. Because you've been trained to love other than yourself. They start with their hair. Tell your boy, split it. You better get your hair cut, because split ends will make your hair fall out. <laughs> your hair does not grow out from the ends. Brothers and sisters, your hair grows from the roots. Split ends do not make your hair fall out. They just don't want you to go natural. They want you to be a stretcher. <laughs> you know what a stretcher is? That's the wrong way. A stretcher is a thing that takes the name. Wrenches it back. They want you to be an extender.
They don't want you to see how beautiful you are. They want you to think you look beautiful trying to look like them. Darn it, sisters, you were born with a, what they call it, the makeup you put on first. A foundation. You was born with a foundation. You don't need to draw cheekbones and powder. You ain't got your lips. You stop stretching your hair, burning your hair, and perming your hair. It ain't permanent anyway. Otherwise, you wouldn't have to keep getting done. Come on with that. Come on with it. Are you with me? Yeah. Right on with it. They are messing with your emotions in order to mess with mine. They want me to look at you trying to be white. So when I get enough money, I'll just buy a fashion and go buy white. <laughs> and then you always ask, why is it that the rich black men, soon they get a little money, they go get a white woman? Because they can afford it then. And all the time they was in their house, they were watching a black woman trying to become white. So we learned to love you as other than yourself. I couldn't love your heart. I couldn't love your face and the shape of your lips. Your lips are too big, I was taught don't like it. Your nose is too wide, I was taught don't like it. Your hair was a short, beautiful natural, I was taught you look like a boy. <laughs> and he does that, and now most Caucasian men are walking around with shoulder like this, and walk up and ask them, they look like girls. How can I love you if you don't love you? Come on with it. How can I love your image if you don't love the way you Come look? on with it. Throw that hard point. When I see my beautiful Latino sisters, they have wavy hair. That is that's how they think their hair what? Supposed to be. You got woolly hair, how's your hair supposed to be? Come together and love each other, respect each other for what you are. But don't try to make all the Latino sisters think they're white, all the Negro girls think they're white. And then we men, Latino and the Nubian men are lost trying to find a woman. And then we don't know how to respect you when you get up in the morning before you put on your clown costume. Most of the fights take place in Nubian houses in the morning. Before she can dress up. Like Shirley Temple. Yes, <laughs> While she is still Alice wandering in the land. <laughs> all, all of this is a positive spell. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't just come here to break down the Bible. I, want, I can take you through the Bible word by word. From language, from language to translation to research to etymology. I've been doing it for years. I'm the best at it. Right. You follow? And they don't like the fact that I'm the best at it. Because I don't fit the mold. They, they want me to be a certain way. They want me to go to a cemetery. I mean a seminary. <laughs> they want me to put a cross on my head. Like a tombstone. And there's Christians on tombstones in Islamic countries. Make it just a Christian thing. Muslims are just as numb as the Christians. Don't be fooled. Got real quiet now, isn't it? It's all right to pounce up and down on Christians, move on. Come on now, come on. I'll take and give each one of y'all one of the days to go. Go. Come on, wait a minute. 
I'll talk to you Muslims too. Tell me something that you got that's original. You can't give me nothing original in Islam. Nothing. I'm all in now. Your prayers come from the Jews. Hello. Prostration is in the Bible before the Quran was revealed. Hello. Your pilgrimage comes from Egypt. Ramses II has four wives and a hundred concubines. That's what Muhammad's Quran gets the four wives thing. I'm all in now. You understand that? Old great Solomon, who's in the Quran as Suleiman, built the greatest temple. What greatest temple? The greatest temple is built in Luxor. Built to Amun Ra, one of your ancestors. Solomon's temple is just a myth. You want some more magic? Here's some more magic. Matthew 24, we talked about it last week. Matthew 24, when Jesus was with his disciples, Jesus promised them that not one rock will be left there. All the rocks in the temple of Jerusalem would fall. Matthew 24, 24, read it. But right now, because me and you go to Israel, right now, there's Jews standing at the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall of the Temple of Solomon. And they're standing at that wall, they're reading their Tanakh, and they're rocking like this. We're 2,000 years away from Jesus, and that wall is still standing. Mr. Preacher, or Preacher's funny, tell me, did Jesus make a mistake, or is this book of Matthew a lie? I'm on with it. Because one of them are wrong. That's the Bible. I'm on with it now. It says in Matthew 24, where are we here? Okay. Verse 2, And Jesus said unto them, See not all these things. Verily, I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be torn down. So if you're waiting for Jesus to come, you, he can't come until the temple is totally down. So Reverend was telling you Jesus is coming soon, better keep his eyes on that wall. But <laughs> <laughs> according this prophecy, they were asking him what would be the signs of your coming and what would be the signs of the end of the world, Matthew 24. And he told him first the wall was come down, the whole temple. And the temple is not down. In fact, they are building on it right now. They're taking it back. The Jews laugh when Christians say that Solomon's temple belongs to them. Solomon's temple is in the hands of the Knights of Temple. Freemasons control Solomon's temple. That's right. Freemasons control the pilgrimage in Mecca. And Freemasons walk control in the White House in Washington. When Benjamin Banneken built the White House in Washington, was a black president. George Washington was not the first president, he was a general. He was appointed to president by a black man. Come on with it now. Come on with it. That White House is called White House. I'm saying that White House is called White House because I've got to go to another language for you. Dar Vedar. Dar Vedar. An Arabic word meaning Dar, House, Veda, White House. That's the, that was the original capital of Morocco. First it was Old Fet, then it became Dar Vedar, which they call Casa in Spanish, Casa Blanca, the white, white capital house. house. Yeah. And then it became Rabat, 
which is it now. But dar when did all that happen? It happened when you lied and said you chopped down the cherry tree and told us the cherry tree was a bed. And then you brought up a Moroccan flag, a big old red flag with a green Jewish star in it, or seal of star in it, and told me that was my flag. And you told Noble Jew that you made him think he was getting something. <laughs> that is not the Moroccan flag. That flag was introduced into Morocco in the 17th century. It was all read by Hassan II. I studied in Morocco, in Arabic. There's pictures of me in Morocco years ago. Any old man saw I tell you. Did I, did I study in Morocco? Yeah. I studied. I speak the Moroccan dialect. I know the language. I was there in the university studying there. That is not the original Moroccan flag. Another lie that got to be gotten rid of. You can go and do the research. The Mola, they call them the Molavia group of French barbers, as they call them, brought in that red flag with a man called Hassan II. And the French put the star on it because these were French Jews. You understand that? Called the Sephardis, who lived in Spain also. And Portugal, they put the star. No, no, no. The six-pointed star is not the Jewish star. Open your Bible to Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, and you find out that that six-pointed star is called a Molan Iraq, a shield. Molan means shield. Nuzzle means star. When they say the star of David, they are misguiding you. The word is Mogan Devat, which means the shield of David. You understand me? That five-pointed star is their symbol. They don't go above five senses. And when they say, this ladies don't be uncomfortable. Okay? This is just for the ladies not to be uncomfortable. Men understand me. All understand me. When they say, arm, leg, leg, arm, head, and say that represents a man, they're leaving out a very important point. I got to go there. I mean, if y'all overstand, I ain't got to go there. Still no lingering at the darkness, and I got to go there. I ain't taking no Come on with it. Just point things out. <laughs> Come on with it. Don't tell me no five point star represents me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I got some lovely children. <laughs> that was accomplished by my six points. <laughs> I'm 
some that don't know, you hear with us, you know. I'm not just walking around and you see him dressed from head to toe like a Muslim. Turban and staff and perfume and skin lip and eyeliner and the whole thing. <laughs> and the most they can say is, Salam alaikum. Yeah. <laughs> they say, Wa alaikum salam. They say, Alhamdulillah. Huh? I don't know Arabic. Huh? Where did you learn Arabic? Oh, I don't speak Arabic. So how do you read the Quran? In English? Excuse me. You told me that the language, the language is English is the devil's language. So you tell me the devil is teaching you your Islam? Well, my mom reads English. That couldn't be your soul, eh? <laughs> what about your soul? And your What about reality? I've been teaching my followers when it was my Allah, Arabic. If they're here, they'll stand up and we can converse in Arabic. I wasn't the teacher who was trying to look heavy and leave his followers dumb so he looked heavy. That's not my style. Everything I know, I spent all day. My voice is hurting, but last night I was teaching. The night before I was teaching. The day before I teach. I teach constantly. I'm not teaching. I know you know what I'm doing. Ain't nobody got so many books coming out. Why? Because I'm on a head trip. I'm not on a political trip. I know we don't have no political crop clout in this. Doggone country, and it didn't have to pee on it, don't pretend, huh? Oh, right. Ain't no P's in our Semitic language. Ain't no P in Arabic. Ain't no P in Hebrew. They added Perim in there. Don't pretend, huh? The five P's is the five pointed star. Politics, policy, polytheism, psychology. Those are the five P's. And the Eastern stars, back them up. Because they're wise. Eastern star. The star out of the east. Five selected women. I said look in your face. <laughs> Five selected women. For what purpose? To protect Mary. What Mary? Do you know who Mary is in the, in the, when they get to the higher degree? Huh? You don't think I know it's going to Virginia to my relative's house. And walk and look on the mantelpiece and see all my uncles and them standing there in Freemasonry clothes in Virginia right now, standing next to President Hoover. Right? Who worked his way from presidency to the FBI. Because he was such a tyrant. He was a Freemason. They all stand like this. I have all the books. Come on, baby. What is he talking about? Talking about the book of Revelation. Where a woman is standing in a crescent. Right, and the Christians will call her Our Lady of Fatima, the Blessed Mother Mary. Now, will you please tell me why the Catholics have adopted Our Lady of Fatima, a Muslim, the daughter of the Prophet Muhammad, for another name for Fatima, for, I mean, for Mary? Well, they knew that Ali child would be born. They knew when Ali was coming, a Mahdi. They knew that Mahdi would be linked with both one foot on the land and one foot in the sea. Right. They knew he would have Africa in it and he would have America in it. They knew he would have the tongue, the two-edged tongue to cut the lies. They knew I was coming. I got 19 incarnations already. And I'm now receiving the 20th, the 21st, and the 22nd. Mm-hmm. You understand that, man? 
Noble Dwali, Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and Clarence 1390. The three sisters. Now I'm receiving incarnation for them. Otherwise, otherwise, there'd be no reason for me in what I'm doing to take the time to do a book called Quran 37. Why? Do I need to be bothered? Do I need the arguments? Do I need the, the negativeness? For coming in and taking a book that they've had since 1913 and nobody won't put it from this into this, so it's permanent? Why me? Because Noble Dwali spoke to my heart and asked me to do it. Said his flocks are scattered. They, everybody wants to be him. All these self righteous and self acclaimed, some of them even call themselves Noble Dwali. Stand up and recite his personal prayer as if it's there. As you know, they're doing it. Donald Elijah Muhammad spoke to my heart. I told him that back in 1990. Then he came and told me something. That's why these lessons are out. He said, clean up the mess for me, son. Set my soul free. I'm bounded by this foolishness of Farad. Set me free. I said, okay. I'll take on the job. Stay in touch. Because I know they're going to come thinking they can deal with it. All I say is if these books are not true about the total history of Master Farah Muhammad, then y'all produce one. Or if you tell us why haven't you produced one since 1930? Uh, why haven't you uh, produced a clear history of the man, his birth, his death, from more than a side photo of him, his fingerprint, his blood type, and everything he told? Why haven't you done it? Why, what are you keeping secret? Tell me more about Noble Drew Ali than what you want the world to think. His name is not Eel. His name is not Bay. His name is not Day. His name is not El. His name is Sharif. And that's the, that's the family of the Prophet Muhammad, Sharif. The nobles. And also the Shriners, the nobles. And he has Ali, the link to the angels. That's why in the, in the roots of the teaching there are Ali's. L's and Il's are Hebrew. Think with me. Say, straighten this up for me. Straighten it up for me. Pretty soon you have what's called a problem book. It's finished. I'm talking about within a couple of days it'll be coming back from the printer hardcover. The problem book. All the five percent lessons, plus lessons. All the stuff they taught in one book. Don't get mad at me. You need this. But them leaders out there don't want you to have all the information. They want to fully stack a couple of copies of the big lesson and give you some of the one in 20. That's right. And change little words. That's right. Teach you something like I tell Lord and Master. That's right. Knowing somebody can come along and make you look like a fool. There's nothing I'm going to teach you if no one can make you look like a fool. And you take time, just like you see it with this. I didn't get that down. Yes, you did, because I'm having a book, so you have one day. <laughs> so you will be able to use it. The problem book will be out. Get a copy of it. Why? Because seven spoke and said, straighten it out for me. When you get there, straighten the mess out for me. Set the record straight for me. Right. I'll try. So in my mission, I have to stop along the way and try to straighten out the mess 
of other people's missions. They can't do it with my teachings. I can stand up there and teach you all day about the Morris scientists and their knowledge of the Zodiac. Yaqub's father and how they cannot prove that's his name and why you stay. I can teach you all day about the five events which poor makers, I mean, poor writers teachers who's not even teaching them who's all wise writers that can know who's doing it in God is. But I'm not poor. I'm extremely wealthy. I couldn't put out a million books a year if I wasn't. So you see me there books coming out of y'all that I put out. You ain't doing them, I'm doing them. Right. You ain't giving me no money, I'm doing this for you. I'm not a money preacher. I'm a teacher. But I know what the information age needs. I know when you got this book of Revelation and you, you understand all the symbolism, because I wrote this thing down in how many languages, y'all? Three different languages. It's broke down in the Greek, it's broke down in the Aramic, it's broke down in the Arabic, and translated English in this one book. The whole book of Revelation, all the signs and symbols so you can see the meaning of the words. Right. Ain't no one going to jump. I know when you digest this, I ain't got to worry about the crap. I know when you digest this Torah, you can take the word and see the word mentioned in the faith of the people and get it. And Psalms, as they call it, is also, to him, is also finished. And it'll be coming out. So you have the Psalms to deal with. You understand what I'm saying? So now in my mission of translating all these things, I have to stop and go try to solve the problem for the nation of God. About foreign and solve the problem that's happened to Morris Sinatra. But as an empress gets stronger and stronger in this one shot thing, she's gonna need some serious protection. Because she got some profound stuff to throw at you. She's a beautiful old lady, she got some profound stuff, but it's dangerous what she's saying. They killed her whole family. They'll kill you for it. Because it's fact. Like I said, I'm a king to Ben Young. I introduced it to y'all in the cowboy age. And all the fools didn't even know what I was talking about. Why is this cowboy clothes? Cowboy? Cowboy? Your boy. Take care of my cow. Cowboy? Cowboys were the Nubians. Haven't you heard of Cherokee Bill? And there's no such tribe as Cherokee. That was a trick name. There's no such tribe as Sue. That was a trick name. Oh, yeah. We were cowboys. We were wranglers. We used to lasso down the animals. They wouldn't go near the animals. They just became buckers. You know what they were called by us? Right. <laughs> 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 all they would do is practice hitting the animals with whips. It wasn't, that's what it got the name Cracker. Oh, yeah. And we would walk up and talk to the animals. And then we could train the horse. We communicate with them, not with them. We were the cowboys. Cowboy boots came from a maxim, Mexico. That's who gave cowboy boots. Cowboy hats, it's called a Joe. You ever heard of it before? It's a round hat with a flat round brim. Indian Joe, they called it. Native American. Then the Amorite took it, pushed it in, and blocked it, and it became a cowboy hat. The fringes on the cowboy clothes, Hebrews, Native Americans trimming. The Aethan and the Masonic Lodge, Native American. 
and I must correct my young student here, you do find the third eye here in America on their headdress of Middle America that's a permit right here. They all have it right there. On their feathered headdress, you see a third eye symbol. He means well. But it doesn't exist in the West. So none of that stuff belongs to them. If you take down the borderline from California, Mexicans can walk here. This is their land. Now they're being treated like they're some kind of animals and beat in the head with sticks when, well, by people who don't belong here. Their land. And don't think all of y'all came from Africa. Let me repeat, that is not true. Look at some of these faces. Look at some of these noses. Some of y'all are indigenous people of this land were always here. In what they call Atlantis, not Atlantis. That's how Plato misspelled it. And it's, uh, and it's right now under the Bermuda Triangle. That's where it's at. The power center of our empire. Our United Nations, where all the crap will come in and charge themselves. And when I'm out like drive over there with those metal ships, they get zapped right in. Yeah, there are no wooden planes or no wooden ships going in. They didn't start getting sucked in the Bermuda Triangle until they started going over there with steel. Mmm. Things that make you go. Mmm. <laughs> Y'all must be getting tired, hear me? Oh, 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 no. Okay. So the day has come. Okay. It's called the information age. And I've got to put information out. Don't ask me what is my miracle. You name another man that's putting out as much information as me. Name any one teacher that's translating all the scriptures. You get a book every day. Now you got your ancient prayer called Tafur in your own language. Now we need a name of land, a language being we need the Arabic, somebody else's language, or, or the Hebrew, somebody else's name. When Allah knows that you need your own name, then we need our own land, our own language. You got it now. It's called Luwapi. Learn your own language. Speak your own language and nobody, anybody can ever correct you on the pronunciation in your own language. Ah. Well, when I hear Muslim, he says, uh, Alhamdulillah, I go, it's not Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah in Arabic. You follow that? That's what happens when Farrakhan and my brothers get up and they try to recite Fatiha, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Arachmani, the Arabs are laughing and they won't correct He's made all, when you say the wrong pronunciation in Arabic, you could be blaspheming and making all kinds of funny sounds. They'll just sit there like that. Even the word of Muhammad studying in Egypt doesn't pronounce things correctly. They just laugh at them. I want them to laugh at Nuwapit. And when you start speaking Nuwapit, it's your language. They can't correct you. Don't you understand the importance of giving you back your own? You have your own stuff. Nobody can't correct you but you. And you keep it correct. What leader in all the history of your so-called enslavement or abuse has given you a language? Nobody. Nobody. They can't do it. Don't y'all see the miracle? The miracle is in the information. Not in me going around popping things out the air. And I have been known to do that too. <laughs> But that's not my job to do magic tricks for you. I am taking the meek and making them dumbfound wise. I want a congregation of people that read. Readers. I want you to read. I want you kids in school. I want you to learn. 
stop listening to junk music, stop stop eating junk food, and get on the mind trip. I'm trying to answer every kind of question that can come at you from everybody, from any kind of religion, science, social studies, history, and extraterrestrial. Starting with all in a little bit of time. You with me? That's all I'm trying to do. To make sure whatever comes before you, you can deal with it factually. You flip this book over and they say, well, in the Bible, you say Genesis 1. That's right. Right. That's 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 right. Right behind that white man is a black man, because he was always standing behind him. And he wasn't the servant, he was the teacher. Nigga, that was the slave. <laughs> Stop lying to people. He stand right behind George Washington. He was George Washington's teacher. That was a slave. The Moors wasn't in bondage when George Washington was here. He wouldn't have to stand behind George Washington if they made a constitution that the Moors were free people in America. He would be able to stand right next to him. Don't be telling them, and all these are drawings. These brothers are all drawings, drawn by Amorites, drawn by Caucasians. They see that? He's a guy with a fez on. That one's got a fez on. They weren't afraid. <laughs> Freemasons wear feathers and they're still slaves. They call themselves free, but they're still slaves. Prince all Masons are just as much slaves as you are. Yeah, and they could be in a restaurant with a Caucasian Freemason who won't even acknowledge their presence. Mm-hmm. And we'll see the square numbers on their finger. They still won't acknowledge you. Won't give you a grip. Won't acknowledge you in darkness or in the light. So you done joined them in something they chose. You understand? Now you got your own grand master. I can answer all the mysteries of Hiram and this. It's not even Hiram claiming. I know the science of Jotun and Boaz. Another B&M. You follow this information. But it's so frail. It is so fragile. That once a Nubian or Nuwapian becomes a Freemason, he doesn't live any better. He still has a nine to five. He's still safe. Mm-hmm. What am I doing? I am raising you out of ashes. I am building a place, Egypt, right here for you. I am giving people jobs. <laughs> We're putting people in these books. Oh, people are buying these books all over the place. I say, go to the bookstore. I ain't open no bookstore. Them people are buying books all over the place. Average one of our stores makes four or $5,000 a week. It's not my money. It's not for me. I gave it to them. Now, if them open a store, they make their money. And they're supporting themselves. They open and close when they feel like. And as I'm teaching you right now on Sunday, all across this country and in the Caribbean and South America and Europe, the people gather and they're teaching. And as you go through there and you buy books and stuff, that happened in their store. And you could have your own. Then buy your own house out here on the land with us. And be amongst your own. Let your children run free and safe under our protection, your protection. I know where my children are right now. I know someone's looking out for them right this minute. Some of y'all are down here. You might be home and find your house burglarized. I haven't locked my door since I lived there. I don't lock my car. I leave the car keys in ignition. 
Can you do that? So you ain't in Islam anyway because you ain't in a peace of mind. You live in an unpeaceful environment, how can you be past peace of mind? You got that peace of mind to say that you're a Muslim. People say, y'all, we all are real Muslims. We just don't use the term Muslim no more. Because the term Muslim is synonymous with terrorism now. Because a bunch of demons got into Islam after Muhammad. Chased, killed his daughter. Chased his family out of Arabia. All the hijabs into Egypt. Trying to kill all the real Muslims. Abu Bakr Sadiq and them was slime. They tried to kill Fatima. They wouldn't let Ali and Fatima talk to the Prophet Muhammad on his dying bed. It's in the Hadith. Aisha writes a stuffed in Hadith to bring down the character of the Prophet Muhammad by steaming on her clothes and stuff. In the Bukhari, in the Shafi, in the Muslim Hadith. About him having wives at the age of seven and consummating the marriage at nine. That ain't in the Quran, but it's in the Hadith. And when I told Muslims, I don't want nothing to do with the Hadith, they got mad at me. You ain't no Muslim then. I don't want no Hadith to tell me the Prophet Muhammad was a low-life pervert. I ain't buying that crap. That's right. And the Quran doesn't tell me to obey, obey no Hadith. The Quran says it's the best of Hadith. The Quran says it's the best of Sunnah. The Quran says Muhammad was the best of examples. So if Muhammad is the best of examples, and you're telling me I'm supposed to go get a seven-year-old girl and make her my wife at nine? I'm supposed to have 13 wives and the Quran says only have four? I'm supposed to kill men and take the women and marry them for booty? Huh? No. Somebody got in Islam and is pressed their impurity with their hadith and their customs and their traditions and they destroyed it. And it even happened in the Mahdiya. In Sudan, when they was digging up my father's body, I said, you ain't supposed to dig up bodies. He was born, he was buried on a borderline of Ethiopia, but he was betrayed by Hala Salafi. You understand? And I said, well, go ahead. He got to stay there. <laughs> and they him so busy trying to be politically strong, they want to reunite all the Ansars by digging up his body and moving it to the Kuba in Omdurman. Wrong! Islam tells us not to do that, especially amongst the Sudanese. And our family, the Dungalawa, Nala tradition, and the ancient Bidda, we come from the Fuzzy Wuzzy, we don't believe in moving our dead. You understand what I'm saying? Israelites moved their dead, they moved Jacob's body from one in the world to the next. We didn't do that. When I saw them corrupting Mahdism, I put it down. There ain't no place for me in it. I saw them uniting with Saudi Arabia, the Ansars. Come on, Aisha. We're going to Saudi Show Austin. We're going to Saudi Arabia and have meetings for money. I don't want their money. Then Saudi hooks up with Hassan Zawabi from the Ikhwani Muslim, lets him marry his, uh, his daughter. And I think this man is a, a Akwani, a Muslim brother, like them fools that blow things up. He's not no Ansar. We Ansars don't marry nothing but Ansars. What's your problem? So say Zadik is mad, oh, he ain't related to me no more. Now I'm not related to him no more. <laughs> For over 20 years, Ansars from the Sudan would come to Brooklyn in the middle of the ghetto to see me. Were you there? They would come to Brooklyn, Bushwick section. I mean, prime ministers. They're the head of the Islamic education. 
come to Brooklyn to pray in that mosque with me and sleep in my house, says Sadi. But the moment I went up against their political endeavors against my father with his Ummah party, against the Mahdiya, I'm no longer a Muslim now. They're all inside of my bedroom talking about I got hundreds of wives. I got one wife. When I was in Ansar, I had a whole lot of wives, but that's what Islam teaches. And them Sunnis will stand out there lying there also go from wife to wife. It teaches us to abuse women. Islam makes it easy to do. You can have four wives as many concubines as you can support. I was a wealthy man. I was a leader. It was convenient. But that's not in the waffle. That's in Islam. That's what it teaches you. No, we don't have it. No polygamy or polygamy. You know what I teach? If you brother can have four wives, your wife can have four husbands. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but she does not believe up. Don't quote no crowd. Women spray a step beneath man. Who just said that for a man? <laughs> women, do you know scientifically is a fact that women use more of their brain than we do? <laughs> so now who made the mistake? The Quran or the interpreter? And the Quran is writing exactly how right? No doubt in it. Then it's not the Quran that's messed up in the language, it's these doggone teachers and translators. But for the love of me, I could not get that across to my brothers. Bilal, Phyllis, and them conspired to write a book about me called Ansar Cup. The time they spent writing that book about me, they could have translated the Quran for themselves. The money they spent in pushing that book out, they could have had someone's out. I'm just a nobody, remember? I'm just Dwight York, who converted in 1985 and faced me just a nigger. So why is Dwight York? Just a disco singer so important that the Arab world of Saudi Arabia writes the book about me as I'm nobody. They write a book out on Farrakhan. They write a book out on Noble Jolly. So if I'm just a nobody, just a nigga, why is Saudi Arabia back a Jamaican-born American living in Canada <laughs> to write a book about me? And the book didn't address my teaching. It was all up in my business. They're so dumb that I wrote my signature wrong and put 19, uh, the Arabic 7 in Sudan, and like a 4 and 3 of the same in Arabic. They're stupid. They don't know that. Because neither one of these, these are not, this is not an Arabic letter. This is not Arabic. That's Hindu. That Arabic number they give you? It's not Arabic. That was a Hindu. Come look it up. In Sudan, we didn't write like that when we were in school. We learned Arabic like this. The original one, two, three, one, two, and one. The original Arabic numbers. Go look it up. That's in Morocco. You can find it. Real mathematics. So he said, born in 1935. That makes me right now 61 years old. And my beard is white because I want it white right now. You understand? Because last week was black. <laughs> I know you're going to ask me that. And when I want it black, it means black them up. Not because I diet, because I can think it black. Oh, All right, come on, wait. What? And you got the same power to come here and give to you, but not too many. That's right, God. You with me? 
So now they spend all that time writing a book about me. And I tell him, I said, Bilal Phillips, the Saudi Arabians who are Turkish and Indians, because Saudi Arabia is our land. We ain't no Asiatic. The word Asia, Asia, means Orient. Orient stops after the Persian Gulf. Stop letting them tell you Asiatic. You ain't no Asiatic. Now, Asiatic people are our people, so we're one family, but we are not Asiatic. Asia is the Arabic word. It means Oriental. Are you an Oriental? No. So stop that part. Right? So now they write this whole book. Now, I tell Bilal Phillips, Bilal, go ask one of them Saudi Arabians, can you Sunni Muslims make hijrah there? Can you move there and live in one of the most progressive countries in the world? Because they got oil. They got wealth. Try Qatar. Try Abu Dhabi. Try Riyadh. Try Makkah. Medina. Jeddah. Try any one of those Saudi Arabian places. Ask them, can you move your brothers and sisters, Muslims from America, there? They let Idi Amin move there. <laughs> to Jiddah. But not into Mecca. Forget Mecca. Allowed you to move into Saudi Arabia and give you all your own little country. American Muslims. Ask that. Ask them, can you marry their daughters? Yeah, right. I'm always. Ask them why you can't find red skin Arabs with the name Bilal. Why don't none of them call themselves Bilal? They got every name but Bilal. You'll say, well, I know one Arab son is named Bilal. <laughs> Bilal was an Ethiopian. Habashia, we say now. Pushy, the real name. You with me? Yeah. Ask them those questions while they're attacking me, their brother. We're trying to raise up my people, my way. Not your way, my way. And why do I need my way? Because in your way, you say the Prophet Muhammad had white armpits. That's what you have in the Bukhari Hadith. And that bothers me. Because you're telling me there's no racism in Islam, and you're pointing out the color of his armpits is white. You're telling me there's a Hadith that says, hear and obey, even if an Ethiopian slave is to the public. And they say, see, that means even Ethiopia can be here. No, 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 back up. That's it, even if, as if there's something wrong with us. Right. You understand? Bilal can call the Azan, he's a Mu'azim, he's a singer. Something always attributed to black people singing. So I don't need that, man. I don't need it. I need my own stuff back. So I went on a journey all throughout Egypt. Studying and studying and studying. And to my surprise, I saw that the positions that we were making in Salah, each one of those positions were on the walls in the pyramid in common. That the word wudu is an Egyptian word meaning, see you later. <laughs> and Kabush was an Egyptian word for what they're calling hustle, washing up. I saw the words there. You know what I'm saying? I saw that Islam stole everything out of Egypt. You know what really caught me? When I was making Hajj in Makkah, I had got to Jiddah, and you put on what's called an Ifram. Say, Ifram. It's a white, seamless robe. 
And they say, Nebi Ibrahim walked. Right? When I looked at the word Ibrahim in Arabic, I saw the Alif and a Hay and a Ra and a Leaf in me. And I said, if you put a Fatha and take away the Kesra, it becomes Ahram, right? Yeah. That's the Arabic word for pyramid. Right? Yeah. And it's pyramid is shaped like the apron of Osiris. You see that black statue he's standing with his hand like this? This apron comes out as a pyramid. I said, and the word haram, haram, or unlawful, is the same word. And the word harem, where they keep their wives, is the same word. And the first people to have harem were the Egyptians. And the first men to wear white seamless robe were the priests of Amun-Ra. And the men who wear the apron were the kings and priests of Egypt, of Amun Ra again. So I said, is there a relation between Islam and Egypt that they're not telling us? Mm. And I found out today in Islam, and I taught this thing for years, buddy, and that's what bothered me. Because Islam steals your children. I'll tell you about that too. In Islam, there's a word, Hua, which they, it appears sometimes at the end of the sentence like this, who or he. And it means he or it. Women is a hot and a wild. Now, at the end of the sentence, they put the owl and they catch it. Ali, Lamb, Ali, they put some vows, then it becomes Allah. Well, the power of the word is not in the Allah, it's in the Ilah, in the Who. You got that? And I looked in the Egyptian books and found out that the highest deity was Who, the creative source of will. And even the people, the ancient pygmy of Zimbabwe had Hui, or Who, the creative source. A will. A being that gave man willpower. The will to be right and wrong. And I looked and said, there's an Egyptian god called Hu. And when in Arabic, if I want to call somebody, I say, Ya Ahmed. Ya Ali. Ya Muhammad. Come here. I say, Ya first. So I added the Ya to the name of the creator Hu. And I came up with Yahuwah. <laughs> that the name Yahuwah was someone calling on the Egyptian deity who? Wow. <laughs> I went on back in the store and I watched Hagar because I knew she was Egyptian. I knew I had to have supper with Hagar, Egyptian, and Abraham. Now, find out that Hagar calls on the God El Roy. And I saw the Arabic word, ra, to see, the seeing one, the eye. Didn't you see what we did so people lied about the deen? I said, oh boy, deen. 
Everybody in those books that look like you, they made a bad person. The Egyptians are so bad that God told Joseph to take Jesus there. The Egyptians are so bad that Jacob and them have to go there. God, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sends them over to Egypt to be saved. But the Egyptians are pagans and idol worshippers. But all throughout the scripture, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they say, is sending his prophets there for safety. Well, the moment you become an Egyptian, you become a pagan, an idol worshiper. But when they say, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you say, what are you saying? You salli ala rasulullah. What are you saying? To send salat on who? Muhammad? Well, that's not me, but it means salutation. Listen, you're not talking to a fool. Salutation is a French word. Salut. Salutations. Salut. The word salat in the Quran was put in there by the Pope. The word tafur is the Arabic and Hebrew word for prayer. Salat from Yusallah comes from the French word salut. Salut. And the Italians, the Latin, all seems because Latin and French was one. The Quran prayed that Muslims are making salat al fajr. Talk to me. You want to keep me here? I'll stay with it. At least until the sun goes or appears to go. Salat al fajr. It means the prayer of the dawn. You with that? Yes. Fajr. The prayer of the dawn. What is the dawn? When the sun rises. Fajr. Muslims, when you are making salat al fajr, are you worshiping the sun? Black, 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 as a haram. Muslim You base your prayer in the morning on the rising of the sun, and I ask you, are you a sun worshiper? Blah, 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 blah. And yet you use the word fuzzy. Right? Then comes Salat al Salat al The noon prayer, when the sun is directly above you. So, yeah, Muslim woman, Muslim man. Are you worshiping the sun now? La, 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 la. That's haram. <laughs> then comes Salat al-Asr. Salat al-Asr. The word as comes in the word asir, to squeeze the juice out of something. Or as the sun is starting to be squeezed out of light. I ask you again. I ask you again. Are you worshiping the sun if you're basing your prayer on the rising, the height of it, and the ascension of it? What do you tell me? That's all. You're worshiping the sun. A couple of hours later comes Salat al-Maghrib. Salat al-Maghrib. What is the word Maghrib according to them? The raven. Blackness. When the sun has started to set. I ask again. Are you worshiping the sun? We are the fourth period of the motion of the sun. Are you worshiping the sun? What do they say, y'all know? (laughs) 
I got time. I don't have patience. I ain't laying in no hospital bed, but I got time. <laughs> I try again. Salat Ish. Ish. Dinner. Dinner prayer. I was going for dinner. Salat Ish. I think of Irish, you know what I mean? In Hebrew, Ish. Male. They stole so many words from Hebrew. They don't tell you Ish and Ish is male and female in Hebrew. Now is when the sun is gone. Right? Next. What do I ask? What do they say to me? <laughs> now we have watched the sun rise from Lachlan Fudger. The sun set its Lachlan Mother. The sun is high point of Lachlan Fudger. And they even have other prayers called late night prayers, all based on the motion of the sun. When Shahul Ramadan comes, Shahul means a month of Ramadan, fasting, the burning month. Notice they call it the Ramadan, the burning month. Why do they call it the burning month? Because that's the month in Islamic calendar when the sun is the closest. What's the closest? Well, the How do you say sun average? Shamsa. 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 There you go. So ask them. In Ramadan, are we worshiping the sun? <laughs> There's a whole surah in the Quran called Surah Al-Shams, a chapter of the sun, Surah Al-Kamal, chapter of the moon. At the end of Ramadan, the whole Muslim world cannot break their fast or eat or bitter until the sighting of the new moon. 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 So I ask them then, do you worship the moon? Because so you can't break your fast, breakfast, break your fast. You can't break your fast until you see the crescent, halal. Are you a moon worshiper? They do worship the sun. They do worship the moon. I was born a Muslim. And we used to base everything on the sun and the moon. They have three balls on the top of the mosque before you see the crescent. Why is that crescent and star there? Because the star represents the sun and the crescent represents the moon. What are these? Dina symbols. What is Dina? A fertility deity. You with me? Where the fertility symbol? The minaret is a penis. The dome is a breast. This goes to all the religions. Who's it go back to? Make it plain. I'll make it as plain as I can. Who's it go back to? Ancient Egypt. Who's the god? Men. Men. Arabic word for from. Men. What is the symbol of men? The symbol of Amun Ra standing there with a frill in one hand, his right hand, and his spouse in his left hand. Go look up an Egyptian book. Don't think I'm talking dirty. And you know how the story goes? In ancient Egypt, that Amun lived beneath the waters of the sea alone. He created himself there. And he came up out of the sea. This is what they teach, right? In ancient Egypt, you believe that before the Quran. And was alone and wanted to create something. So he took himself in hand. And he spread out life. You follow that? Seed. That's why they call it seed man. A man of the sea. You think phonetic is part of the language? Don't think I'm playing word games. That's how they talk in cipher. 
And we don't think that you saw a standalone welfare man, didn't you? <laughs> you found out with justice and just us men, didn't you? History and history, didn't you? But this deity, Amun, set out himself and created beings from it and gave them creative will by who? Who? Men. You men. You think that's funny phonetic? Look at Egypt, you see they did it. And all this country is built on Egyptian mystery. That's why the obvious needle in Washington represents the ballot symbol. The dome on the White House represents the breast. They got a minute right there. And we're the first place they built an Orthodox Sunni Muslim mob in the United States was Washington, D.C. Who built it? Dwight David Eisenhower, a Shriner. And it's all an Islamic center right now. Muslims go there and pray and don't know that they have Masonic rituals and a skull and bone right in the same mob. I was there and saw it. Muslims said, why don't you come to the mob and watch that laugh? I was there. I was in the hall, Pakistan, in the lodge. I can go through and read the books. You understand? Please walk with that. Know about that. Know what they're doing. Islam is a trick. It goes back to ancient Egypt. When I say I'm Arabic, at the end of it, I want you to go with me. Okay? Alhamdulillah, you Rabbil Alameen. Ar-Rahman, you Rahim. Maliki, you Rahim. Iyaka, na'udu, wa iyaka, na'udu. Ayyina, siraat al-Mustaqeem. Siraat al-Latina, namta alayhim. Qayrin maqtubi alayhim. Walad, that's the longest sentence held in prayer. And what is it? Amun Ra. Amin comes from the word Amun, the hidden one. They say it comes from the attribute of Allah El Mu'min. Not true. Same root word. They stole it from the Hebrews who say Amen at the end of their prayer. And the Christians who say Amen at the end of their prayer. The Muslim ones, the Muslim ones are the last one in that line. They stole it. <laughs> and they didn't even realize when they were stealing it that the Jews were giving praise to the Egyptian deities. They don't even realize that the God Tammuz and the God Ilu, for where they get Allah, are names in the Judaic calendar which come out of the Babylonian deities. That's right. You can right. find the name Tammuz and Ilu today, and even Eid, Enki Drago's mother, is registered as one of the months in the Jewish calendar in their Babylonian. After you, what are y'all doing? Babylonian names in your calendar. Because they know they copied the Torah from the Emai Elish. You know, Irish and other happened. They're trying to make you think that the tablet of the Sumerian is not but 2,000, 3,000 years old. But if you go to the Bible that they say they believe in and say, find the language of Hebrew in here, they'll get to the word Ebar. And that's Hebrew. 
Find the word language of Arabic in here. They'll get to the name Ashur, Assyria, Sarah, Arabic, both coming from Aramic. They find the word Akkadian in here. They can find it. Find the word Chaldean in here. They can find it. Find the word Uruk or Orak in here. They can find Uruk. Find hieroglyphics in here. They find the names of the pharaohs in here. With me? Yes, now say, find cuneiform in here. Find the word cuneiform, a Latin word, just meaning chip wedges. And what was the name of the language cuneiform? Because we got Akkadian as a name for Akkad. We got Aramic from Aram. We got Hebrew from Ebal. We got Arabic from Arab, who's from the descendants of Jotham from Ashur. What is the name of cuneiform in the Torah? All the other languages are here. Yet you're telling me that they found hundreds of tablets written in cuneiform. Even the Mormon Joseph Smith says the tablet he found buried upstate New York was in cuneiform. But none of them will tell you what is the name of cuneiform. If every other language got a name, what is Cuneiform's name? Because it couldn't have been Latin that far back. Sanskrit got a name. Pharisee, Persian got a name. Ordo got a name. English, French, Italian. What is the name of Cuneiform? Nuwatik. From the word Nabawah. From the word Nu. From the word Nubian from the word messengers from the sky. Because the beings that were talking in Genesis were talking before Moses got the Torah. They were talking before they said, Muhammad, we reveal this Quran to you in Islam in your tongue, Arabia, and made it simple for you to memorize. They were talking in heaven and talking about the shaping and the forming of the earth in a language. The serpent spoke to Eve in a language. And this is before Genesis chapter 10, when Arabic, Akkadian, and all the languages you call Semitic or Shemiah languages came into existence. What language was God talking in? When you're trying to make people think that the Edomitish tablets I talk about is more recent than the Torah and the Egyptian mysteries, and hieroglyphics can be found in the Bible, but cuneiform can be found on tablets, but not found in the Bible? You with me? They don't want you back with your own language. They don't want you speaking in tones. Because when you start speaking in tones, you start conjuring up our ancestors who are buried on these grounds beneath us. You start getting, they start getting roused up, and you start projecting what Christ said as a man thinking. So he knew he knew you had the power to make things happen with your mind. Right. They don't want you identifying with the strength of your family. Come on, God. They don't want you to know Ashango or Ogun or Yemaya. They have their teraphim in the Torah. The nation of Islam, they don't know nothing about it. They're still worshiping one of their descendants. That's the problem Muhammad who didn't say with God. They're still praying to him. The Bible says they're still praying to Clarence 13x, who's really 37x, 
that fill ancestral worship. But you can't do it. When we do it, everybody criticizes me. When we talk about identifying with our ancestors, I'm on the who y'all all give praise to in your churches as Amen or Amin. Yes, for those who think they know. See that? This here is called Mad. They call it a Madda now. It originally was called a Mad in ancient Arabic, Arabic because it symbolized a feather of the Egyptian deity Mad. Now they call it Madda, <coughs> meaning to double something. Like the double you of Washita from Oshitim. Oh man, oh man, oh man. We got so much information about us. Black just go on and on. I can start with contradictions of the Bible, contradictions of the Quran, contradictions of the Torah, and show you how they lie and change things and mess it up. But you know what you gotta start with? Start with the language. If you are a sincere Christian, and learn a language so you can defeat the preachers who stand up quoting you in English. If you are a sincere Muslim, learn the Arabic so you can go with them step by step, word by word, and not depend on them. If you are a sincere Moorish American, learn that Arabic. If you're a sincere Hebrew Israelite, learn that Hebrew. So nobody ain't giving you no doggone interpretation and no translation. If you don't want to accept mine and you have every right not to, then learn the language yourself. You're young enough. You're young enough to take the language apart yourself. Don't tell me you're no sincere Christian and don't want to speak the language. You stay Christ spoke. You with me? If you really are sincere about your religion, then start with the word. In the beginning was the logos, the word. And when you look up the Greek for logos, it doesn't mean word, it means speech. That speech they're talking about is a conversation that was going on between the angels and said, let us create man. Talking to somebody who talked back to them in one of the languages that had to exist before Genesis chapter 10. But you will find the language, <laughs> you will find the language in Genesis as Cush. It says right in that Bible that the Tigris and the Euphrates and the white and blue now runs down into the land of Ethiopia. Right in the Bible. But in Hebrew, the word is Cush. Cush. And check this out, just for some food for thought. Here in your Bible, we're talking about the creation of the world, heaven and earth, and the heavenly host, right? And in the midst of it, God becomes the economist. You want to know where? God says, and the gold in that land is good. <laughs> right in Genesis, God stops in the middle of all creation and says, and the gold in that land is good. <laughs> Nobody was on the planet yet. There wasn't supposed to be nobody but Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. Mm. There wasn't no commerce. There wasn't nobody to mine for gold. Nobody to dig for gold. Gold has to be dug. So whoever was talking either saw it down in earth 
But he was telling other angels. Because he wasn't talking to Adam and Eve yet. Because he ain't paid them yet. <laughs> and he said, and the goal of that land is, remember that in the Bible? God is talking about 14, 18, 22, 10, and 24 carat gold. He said, there's 24 carat gold down there. God had an interest in gold. Why did God have an interest in gold? Why didn't God say, and the platinum down there is good? Platinum is more viable than gold. Why didn't God say, and the diamonds down there are good? Or the uranium. Why was he interested in gold, folks? Because it deflects sunlight. And he had to build a rainbow dome over you to protect you from the sun. Spoken of in the Bible as a rainbow covenant. Seven layers of strata. You understand that? Creating spheres to protect me and you from the ultraviolet rays of the sun. What is the last color on the rainbow? Violet. And what comes out that gamma? Amber light that can penetrate here and kill people. So a loving, caring, heavenly father was concerned about the gold dust because he created our spares out of gold dust. And that's why it reflects those beautiful colors like a rainbow. We're trying to figure out how come the rainbow comes in beautiful colors? The light bends and reflects off the dust particles of gold. It's in a dome that the most high heavenly father put there to protect you and me from the sun and the serpent and his children, the harsh are destroying the ozone layer. And right over Australia right now, there's an opening digging in it. And the rays are coming through. And they're trying to tell you to come down there and put a shrimp on the body. They're talking about you. (laughs) They start inviting people to Australia when they know the radiation level is too high. Who's going to die first? Who's going to die first? Who's going to die first? Melanites or non-melanites? They're taking away the ozone layer that the Heavenly Father put up there to protect us from the rays of this sun as a covenant he made with us. That's why they're trying to get out of here. That's why there's a shuttle every month. Shuttle to where? Shuttle for what? We're not at war with Russia no more like we ever was. (laughs) Where's the race for space now? Have you asked why there's so many shuttles? And where are they going and why they don't tell you that? They are transporting their people out of here. They have made contact with a man called Myers in Switzerland with the Aldebarians and the Platians, and they are leaving here, believe it or not. You may not believe this, but they wouldn't have believed television in 1930. They are leaving. They are transporting people off this planet. In shows, they are going to the moon, they're going to Mars, they're going to Jupiter, and now they're exploring Titan. And it just confirmed this month that Titan is a planet, not Saturn. It was thought to be the moon, but it's a planet, has an atmosphere just like Earth, and it's covered with a dust cloud. And it's setting a Saturn this month. I think I told y'all Titan was a planet. If you check Titan out, it takes you back to the name Europa, Europe. I thought I could do that. 
They are getting out of here. They are trying to destroy the ozone layer and then leave and let the rays of the sun kill everybody on the planet. Anybody wants to leave, don't feel like if you got something to do good. I, I, I tell you, I teach all the time, I would not be insulted. Do what you got to do. You understand? But they can't do it. We got underground cities. Did you know that? Didn't you notice when you went past parks and playgrounds, there was doorways leading underground? We built them. We got underground cities connected all across this country. They built one from 42nd Street to 125th Street into Fairwood House, who's going to the wrong. And didn't tell nobody why we did. All across us, under us, underground cities. You know what they use them for now? Early in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, you stand out under the city in the light somewhere and watch the poison coming out of the sewer. And ask yourself, where is that steam coming from in the morning? It's not there any other part of the day. Tell me that that steam coming up in the morning is from the subway system, the marcher. That it will be there all day on every dark, shadowy block where there's condensation, you see it. Mm-hmm. Why only in the morning? Because in the morning, everybody just woke up, and that's breathing time. Mm-hmm. And you're putting poison, it's popping up in the system, and you're going to the city, and you're taking in poison that is causing you to have miscarriages, causing you not to get pregnant, causing you migraine headaches, causing our sister's breast cancer, causing our men prostrate cancer. They, they are killing us. You know why? Because they cannot deal with when the sun hits you and your feet is on the ground and your, your solar, you know what I call a solar blast? Because if you look at the ancient pictures of Jesus, they always show the flame of fire right here. And they show them using his less or smallest finger pointing at it. And they had a rose above it. And that was Jesus telling them that there is a central sun in the man. The light that shineth in the darkness, but the darkness comprehended it not. He talked about that light right there. And they didn't understand what he was talking about. He never understood anything he was saying. He was too busy being involved with the fact that he was different. Come on, with it. How different was he, tell me? He was so different that Mary didn't even know who his father was. Did you know that? Mary said to him while in Jerusalem at age 13, why are you hiding from me and your father, Joseph? She didn't say from me and your father, God. Read your Bible. Me and your father, Joseph. They said Jesus would be of the seed of David. The word they use in Greek is sperma, the seed. Is that clear? In your Greek. And then when they ask you for the list of Jesus in Matthew, you know what they give you? Joseph's line of descendancy through Jacob. In your Bible. But you keep saying God, Mary keeps saying it. And the Bible keeps saying the Holy Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> but the Holy Ghost is not a man. He's a spirit to y'all. Except for when y'all want to make him three persons in one, then he becomes a person. When Daniel wants to call a man, I saw the man Gabriel, then he's a man. Christians talk about him, that's the Holy Spirit. He just touched and she became pregnant. Where did the, the Y chromosome come from? 
whose sperm was carrying David's seed. Because Mary couldn't carry David's seed because Mary don't carry sperm. She carries over. They don't know. They weren't in tune with the real Messiah. They weren't in tune with Yeshua, they called him. They don't know nothing about him. They want a whole bunch of stories about him. How can you say that he's your God and you can't tell him what he was doing with you 1 and 13? God was on earth and y'all didn't keep a record from 1 to 13 when he was in Egypt. And the Egyptians kept a record. That's right. They had more active records than the Jews. That's why we got a lot of writing on the Berman. And don't fall for that Rosetta Stone trap. Anybody read the Rosetta Stone got set up by the Egyptians. They fabricated the Rosetta Stone and added the grief on it so that they would think they're translating. That's why right now I have to retranslate everything. They got all the dates. 